All right, I'll just start it. Um, welcome to the Raleigh Bitcoin meetup. Um, one thing I've been wondering lately is, is Bitcoin get, getting thrown into the driver's seat earlier than we thought? Like, is uh, we've been saying Bitcoin isn't ready to like take on the global financial system, but now it seems like the financial system might be starting to collapse now. And is it like, Maybe Bitcoin's going to get thrown into the ring before it's ready to see what happens. You guys know what I mean by that? Or anybody yeah. else feel like that? I kind of do. <laughs> I agree with that. I think it's getting thrown into the ring where it's not going to be in a spendable form, but it will be in a savings account form of a currency as people traditionally own it. So that people will be able to buy it and hold it. But as far as like merchants being ready to adopt, they're not gonna be ready. Nobody's even gonna be interested in that. We didn't really get the kinks out of Lightning Network in time. But as far, I think people are gonna be buying like crazy. As long as they're allowed to buy, if no one shuts it, shuts down Coinbase or anything like that, um, it's, it's gonna have a huge influx, especially with the helicopter money coming in. I think it's yeah. a good thing though that it's not quite ready i mean not necessarily good but it's not bad that it's not ready in the transactional form it's because i mean right now in people's minds they just see their 401ks plummeting and what they just want that to stop they just want to store value and you know if you look at that progression of a money developing first it's a store value and if people believe in it that way right now people are just trying to get some stability they're not they're not wanting necessarily as a mass to, to be able to use all this kind of stuff. They just want their stuff to stop disappearing, their, 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 um, their assets. And um, I could see, you know, whether, I don't know, who knows how long it takes to settle down and then for confidence to be restored in any kind of economic structure. But uh, I could see it being a year or so. And then people looking at the monetary system and thinking like, okay, what's going on now that our everyday of life way of life is kind of back in order and then I'm sure there'll be more developments in lightning network and other other platforms and, and means and then it can just incrementally come i think it would be bad to just kind of ninja launch bitcoin into the the, the <laughs> western world that would be a shock <laughs> to the system ninja launched <laughs> yeah i think um like, like I've talked about a couple of times before is that Bitcoin is a, you know, $20 trillion asset, regardless of how many, like whether or not we can do shopping level transactions on it, like at its current transaction rate, um, it's a massively valuable asset. And I think transactions are a good to have like cheap, like sort of like e-commerce transactions are a nice to have function but the the monetary assurances are the many trillion like decatrillion uh level um use case um and it's this could not be a clearer example of exactly that is that look what happens when we have no monetary assurances Look what happens when we have to depend on somebody else to solve all this shit for us and we don't have a clear, immutable monetary policy to follow. Um, but 
I think will be overloaded. Um, I think the flood into it, I think it will in eventually cause such a huge demand to figure out the transactional problem um, that, you know, that it will get solved. Um, but basically, there will probably be some spikes that go up in fees and it could be sustained for a pretty damn long time. Like, especially if we get like a flood into it, like a flight, like I'm scared of putting my money somewhere else um, while this is in a bull run, um, that fees will increase. And literally the only people who can do like regular transactions are people who are already established on Lightning. Um, and, uh, but then I think Lightning will go out as, will build out as an infrastructure network between businesses and then a couple of years down the road, we'll really figure out how to scale it to transactions because people have been wanting it so badly for so long while everything's too expensive. Um, so yeah, if this gets thrown in to the mix and like really becomes like really has to take all the pressure, uh, it, it will get overloaded very, very quickly. We are not, we're not ready for that load at all. Um, so, well, I don't think that load would get fully dumped on it. I mean, businesses are going to primarily do their transactions in U.S. dollars for the like foreseeable future, you know. And so, mm -hmm. so I, I guess by, I guess I just thought, is it prepared to handle maybe twenty percent of the population actually wanting to store their wealth in it? I don't think it's going to be for like merchant transactions and stuff. I still don't think that's going to happen for mm -hmm. another few years, if ever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because I don't really think merchant transactions ever going to happen because until separation of money and state happens. Yeah. Because as, as long as businesses have to do their accounting in government money, I don't think it's... I don't think it's ever really going to merchant adoption never really going to happen. So can I ask you guys a question? Because I do think we're temporarily on the wrong end of public opinion that probably when this airdrop of dollars happens, dollar will reach its all time peak in popularity. Mm -hmm. I think everyone will be in love with the dollar. So it's going to be a, I don't know if Bitcoin's there to intercept that or if you guys agree, but I mean, anyone who is like, what's wrong with Bitcoin? Well, you can't just airdrop money on people for free for doing nothing. That's, that's <laughs> Bitcoin. Look, look, look what the dollar does. It's been around so long and you can just give it away for free and everyone's happy. No one has to even go to work and everyone's still getting paid the same amount. So what's the, what's the time frame of the inflation effect with that? The yeah, that's, that's what I was about to suggest. I mean, do you think that time frame is like years? I mean, how long does it take that if inflation to happen? Shortage. So the hilarious thing is that we could have like, <clears throat> like a twenty-five cent ramen could immediately be selling for two dollars the next by the time the checks drop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it could it could be like we already <clears throat> have a weird supply dynamic. Plus, you're going to do weird stuff with just expand the monetary policy at the same time you have a, a demand overwhelmed with demand. Like, what do you think is going to happen? 
Have you seen the prices of uh, Nintendo Switches right now? No, what are they? I think you can like sell them for two hundred dollar profit. Like, uh, wow. Yeah, I think like a three hundred dollar console you can resell on eBay for like five hundred because they're just sold out everywhere. I should sell my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> the the lack of stores being open is probably going to make it easier for that kind of inflation to happen too. Because like, if you only have one store in a city, I don't know. How, you guys feel for this but my feel for this is that you know walmart and target are still open but that's it you know all the other stores are closed and if it's just walmart and target that are open Mm -hmm. in a city then that ramen noodles really could get changed from 25 cents to two dollars like very quickly like Mm -hmm. inflation could happen a lot faster when there's fewer stores open i guess is what i'm saying like, well, what should you pay? Like, you know, I'm, I'm at the grocery store. There's no toilet paper. There's no milk. If I really need one of those things, like, is it really crazy to say I'd pay double? Of course I should be willing to pay double if I needed it that bad. Like, mm-hmm. I'm willing to pay that. I'm going to be ripped off. So, like, where do we where do we stop it? Like, the, at some level, if it, if it comes back and the things that are in most demand should be selling at crazy prices, why shouldn't a gallon of milk be... Ten fifteen dollars. It really should be right now. Yeah, with the availability yeah. of dollars, but then at the exact same time, all of our supply of actual goods, like the standard of living, is going to drop significantly because we're finally realizing that we don't have all the capital that we thought we were going to be able to spend, which was pushing demand down. And then, of course, now everybody's out of work. Now, now, now everybody's at home. You know. Um, And uh, so that both of those are going to compound on top of each other and the inflation, it's not going to be like we're used to where they, you know, lower the interest rates and then you see inflation in housing and stocks and stuff, but consumer prices are only like, you know, eight or 9%, you know, up in a city. I'm not the CPI, but I use the, the Chapwood index, which I think is way more accurate. Um, uh, So, you know, but still 9%, is not something that's hugely noticeable. Um, but that's like with the consumer getting the money at like the fifth step in the process. It's really slow. It, it absolutely stays in assets and all of the things that are loaned out to purchase. And credit, like, like credit card credit, is not cheap. It's the big loans that are cheap. So it's the asset prices that go up. But when you just start throwing money at like the consumer, when you just give somebody like a $1,200 check or whatever it is, um, that inflation is going to be immediate. Um, and, and that's what they're trying to get at actually is because we're going to have deflation and they're trying to fight that. But then there's going to be inflation and then that's going to be exacerbated by uh, the lack of supply. Um, and yeah, I think spending three to four times on what we were buying last week is not going to be unheard of. Why is there going to be deflation? Well, deflation, because um, that's what we're seeing now is there's a flight to the dollar because uh, people are trying to get money out of like, all right, so the stock market and all of these supposed assets appear to be worth 10 times what they actually are. It's all based on debt though. 
And we find out that only 10% of the debt can actually be paid back. That's what this crash is, right? Is mm -hmm. that we're like, oh shit, none of this value is actually there. So what they are doing is they are selling these assets. I myself am trying to do this to get cash into the bank. Like I am trying to get out of the asset into cash. So that creates deflation in cash really quickly. Um, that's why a significant part of the reason, um, even though the supply and uh, lack of demand has to do with it as well, but why oil has fallen um, is because everybody wants the cash. Everybody wants a liquid asset rather than an inflated stock. But that means that okay. banks have to close positions. Banks have to figure out how to get cash available because they're also in funds and stocks and assets. And then that puts more selling pressure. And then we find out very quickly that, yeah, we only had 10% of the value there because like 8% of the people have exited and we've lost 50% of the value. Um, so everybody flies to cash. Cash becomes in incredibly valuable. Um, and everybody's trying to dump assets. That's where, you know, Bitcoin came from. You're looking for liquidity. You sell what can sell be sold quickly. Bitcoin can be sold quickly. Um, and, uh, and then you start throwing money at people because you're like, you can't have deflation when everybody's in debt. That's the worst thing. That means that we had a hundred thousand dollar debt this year and it was worth, you know, a, and, uh, now we have to pay back twice that because the dollar's worth more. You know, it's like taking a loan out in Bitcoin. If I took out a two Bitcoin loan when Bitcoin was $2, I'd be in a crap load of pain right now if I didn't pay that back because, you know, Bitcoin's deflated um, and has gone massively up in value. So I owe more. They can't let that deflation happen. Um, so give everybody money. Print infinity money printer go burr. Burr. <laughs> I, I think it's worth emphasizing that everything has got overpriced by 10x. And I think the big scam that's happened right now is that America's wealthy or the United States' wealthiest citizens have overstated their wealth by about 10x yeah, in basically. the world. And th it could be the wake up call where the West, rest of the world stops playing around with that. You know, the way you should really measure a nation's wealth is what their ability to, to produce over and above their needs. And we've been pretending like we've been keeping it all inside of the country and not exporting it. That's where we have a trade deficit. But it turns out, no, we were just, you know, running up credit card debt that we can never pay back. And once people realize we're never going to pay it back, and then we have to just start with no credit and build, a, build an economy from there, it's going to be rough. I think it's like uh, it's going to be like Russia after the Cold War ended, and the Cold War is kind of ending for us just later. But mm -hmm. it's it's a, all that crazy military spending over the last post World War II period is still going to wreck us. It just took longer because capitalism could could afford it longer. But we're we could be in a really bad spot. Yeah. Like, and they, the reason the wealthy are printing money and giving it to us is just so we'll believe that they're still wealthy. So they give us a thousand dollars and say, here's the condition. You take this thousand and this, you know, a hundred million in my bank account, you pretend like that's real. You know, I know that in the that's last two months, we it said it's gone from a hundred million to 10 million, but pretend that it's a hundred million again, and I'll give you some free money. That's, that's the plan. Because <laughs> it is a communist game.
I, I just wanted to take a second to say hey to the new people that join us. Car, Paul, <laughs> welcome to the social distancing Raleigh. Yeah. <clears throat> one who appears to be on a bicycle and then one that is... <laughs> are you on a bike right now, Paul? <laughs> no, he's still on the bike. He's definitely on the bike. You're muted, Paul. Oh, you're muted. What's up, Car? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We started off this conversation with um, is like Citadel construction having to start early? Like is, <laughs> is Bitcoin like being thrown into the driver's seat before it's ready? And then we got off on uh, inflation and money printing as usual. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know how what the temperature of the room is, but um, – I was certainly hoping for at least another year or two for infrastructure build out on in, 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 with respect to the Citadel. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, not that I think that, you know, I think we'll take it, we'll take it in stride, but I was definitely hoping for, for a little bit more time, but it, the more and more, and I'm not like a collapsitarian doomsayer, like, but the, and I want this to almost, be an easy transition but with every day it's looking like the die is cast i don't know i don't know what everybody else's perception was so in terms of um infrastructure needs to be built what, what were we waiting for exactly um i think that the that probably one of the things that i thought would be very useful was and i know that this is true to some degree it's more true every day um, but really um eat very easy um, interface on Lightning Network for just movies, you know, with in terms of like a phone wallet or a desktop wallet, and then just a little bit more stability on Lightning. Network. That 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 was my take, but um, I'm definitely open to. Hey, Paul, I think you're uh, might be picking up a lot of wind. All right. Um, uh, no, I agree that that's kind of like my my thing right now is that um and for the pace of the lightning network i would have loved to have seen seen a strong established layer two yeah um and uh, obviously lightning network has the most potential there like if if lightning if it had been quiet for lightning for another two years i think this would have played very very differently right now but i think you're right is that we're going to be, um, we're going to be like, all right, here's your alpha software and, you know, run the world on it right now. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that, that has to happen. It, you know, I think, uh, uh, what's the, what's the term? Um, uh, last minute. Oh man. There's like, there's like this term for like learn and figure it all out like 10 seconds before you're done. It's like last minute learning or something like that. I can't remember what the hell it yeah. is. Tri trial by fire. Something like that. Yeah. Like um, yeah, I think, you know, with, with lightning <laughs> that goes into the other discussion of, uh, you know, that's just the layer two piece of Bitcoin. That's the payment side. I mean, yeah. the core yeah. side of Bitcoin, do you guys agree that that, that piece is ready, you know, at least for what? Oh yeah. We think so. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah, layer two, I think, you know, that part, um, if it really hits the fan, I know like a bunch of co uh, companies and enterprise groups and, you know, really smart, the influx of smart people will come through and push that up. 
But if the core is bad, that's a different story. I don't think the core is bad. So I think we'll, we no. should be fine with, a, with yeah. you know, a different mode for many people. I agree. I, I think that's the most important part. I mean, because the first, the first thing will be the, the, those who have it trying to, you know, I say hide, but, you know, secure their wealth. Um, but it, it would have been nice to say, Hey, like to go to my neighbors who don't know anything about Bitcoin and say, Hey, right. like, yeah, like the banks, you know, locked your, you know, locked your ATM down, just download this app. I'll send you some, I'll send you a few sats and like, you know, start and, and you can just send them back and forth and, you know, that that's the only thing, but that that's such a, I feel like yeah. such a, um, privileged jerk to complain about that like when, we, when, when we have such a robust core you know like to your to your point um yeah coin packets i it, that that's but it would have been nice it would be nice yeah. yeah the as far as like um like like i mentioned earlier whatever is i think by itself like bitcoin is a 10 to 20 like ignore all transactions and any other thing that you can do with it just its monetary assurances makes it a many many trillions of dollars worth of a valuable asset the thing is is that i think it's a difference between if we had been given more time we would have there would have been a thousand different things we could have done with the protocol immediately with a robust layer two with a very wide built out infrastructure um and we could have literally begun to integrate it with all sorts of things in the economy but that because we're being thrown to the wolves essentially w before we are there is that the one critical no no questions asked use case of high monetary assurances and a secure asset is basically going to price out our ability to do a lot with layer two for a while um is that is it's just going to be we're going to have high transactions because uh, high transaction fees um, because everybody's going to be desperate to get exposed to Bitcoin um, right. and the flood coming in is just going to be too big and we'll have to <laughs> basically halt the other stuff um, because the core is too valuable essentially. I think maybe the universe got frustrated with us <laughs> like playing around with too many different layer two ideas and getting kind of scrambled and uh, was just like, you know what, you guys forget how amazing layer one is. And so I'm just gonna like throw you to the wolves right now and just see how well you survive with layer one. And yeah. uh, something like that. Maybe, my, this is, maybe this has given us the 40 days to build the ship. <laughs> yeah, so my mom called me today and she said, so I was digging out well, I don't want to reveal the way she stores her keys, but she was like, um, obviously looking at like her system for storing her, her 24 words, her seed words. And I wonder how many other people are kind of like, you know, doing the home, doing the quarantine thing. Oh, let's get out those words again. You know, like how many other people are with family members right now? Like, hey, let's go over this Bitcoin thing right now. Um, maybe that's just me because I'm so tied into it. But, you know, part of being at home and Citadel construction is going over these seed words again. Right. I'd say that's been part of my experience. Like yeah. people that I know who have been uh cursory involved, my sister, 
um like why like it's all come back up in discussion again like it's all yeah. been like we should really look at this again and i never set up that wallet you know blah mm-hmm. blah blah like like it's it's coming back to people's minds I, I i think i could generalize that that's probably something that a lot of people are doing right now anybody else anybody else doing that i've actually so i'm going over kind of my own stuff but uh, I've actually been a little bit surprised and a little bit saddened at the fact that nobody's like hit me up, uh, you know, about Bitcoin recently. <laughs> like I see it on Twitter all the time. Everybody's, you know, saying like, oh, finally, like everybody, the texts are rolling in. I haven't gotten a single one. So maybe I was too rude last time. I don't know. <laughs> I think they're going to roll in soon. Yeah. Next week. I think I it'd think be different. Two weeks. TM. <laughs> I think the institutional investors were actually surprised that Bitcoin didn't do better than it did initially with the market downturn. I think that's kind really? of what turned people off. It, they said they're kind of a little, they remember that. I mean, they saw a drop. It was a bad drop. Yeah. You know? but, I mean, you know, the smart investors should know that you can't pay bills in Bitcoin. And that's, that's what was driving that people were fleeing to cash because that's what the next mortgage payments in. And, uh, and you saw that you saw the gold take a hit too. People were just fleeing the cash, and and it's that's just at the end of the day, if you got to pay bills in cash, if you got to pay bills in in tea leaves, people are going to flee to tea leaves initially. You know, it's that's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. This goes back to the orders of priorities in this current situation. I think if um, it had been a pure singular financial crisis and not a freaking pandemic, then yeah, we'd be getting more texts and that kind of stuff. But the fact that people are making sure their family's okay, or maybe this caught them completely off guard. I mean, I can only imagine uh, there was uh, Jared Leto, the actor and lead singer of 30 Seconds to Mars. He went on like a 12-day meditation retreat in the desert, and he comes with no contact with the outside world. I heard about comes this. back, and he's like, okay, so I entered back into a completely different world than the one I left. It's like, I think some people are kind of more or less having an experience like that. And uh, they're just trying to make sense of the world. And once, that's why I say once things calm down, I don't know, six, nine months or a year even, and with the pandemic-wise, and people will be more attuned to uh, their financial situation aside from, okay, numbers not going down in my 401k. I actually have some money to pay some bills, hopefully, or whatever that looks like. Because if they don't have cash right now, they're not, they're not going to be looking at how to buy anything. They're just making sure they have money to pay rent or buy food right now but once people start having a balance in their checking account savings accounts then then i could see those those texts coming back from those people you haven't heard that heard from since 2017 man can you can you imagine if uh he went on like a psychedelic trip through the desert like a 12-day <laughs> oh. journey back, like, <laughs> I would imagine be able to convince him that he wasn't still tripping <laughs> <laughs> the world is ending he's like why are the streets empty <laughs> Oh, oh God, what has happened? <laughs> he just like goes straight back to the desert. Like, yeah, I think yes. I'm still going back. And he'd probably be better off for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Good social distancing. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how long that's going to take. Like, um, it seems like Bitcoin's starting to bounce back right now. So this little slingshot thing seems like it's happening. It, Meanwhile, like, even though all this money's getting printed, stocks are still going down. I don't know. It seems like the slingshot's, like, starting to happen right now. I'm, yeah, but it's interesting that, um, you know, yeah. that, I just need, I just want, payment. like, I know that Bitcoin is the good news again. It's, I'm an entitled jerk for asking for more, but, like, man, I just, 
want like i don't know how it is in uh or i don't know a whole lot of specifics about how it is there um i should because my parents live there but um <laughs> that you know it's just like every day we have a new news announcement here god damn my speaker uh off. but every day we have a new news announcement here just cracking down more and it's like it just that needs to stop because local yeah. stuff like that is is really annoying and worrisome yeah and I'll also back on, I yeah, also the right um now. can you hear me yeah i can hear you gene okay all right going back <laughs> no no I, I put gene on there you're good okay uh yeah no like uh i think Carl was saying like that that next payment though when the <laughs> that time of the month comes in where we have to pay rent and pay for that car note or whatever but we see another dip um in bitcoin you know that's that's the thing and also i know we talked about the 401ks like i was looking at my 401k yeah it looks bad but i can't even take anything out you know of that yeah. thing because like i think they have a situation now where um it's, there's like a huge disclaimer that says if you're trying to take out money because of covid19 don't even try it <laughs> like you have to do you have to have like specified another reason or maybe if you're unemployed if you quit your job or get laid off that's the only way you could take that money out really yeah ours was locked uh, my my wife's was locked until she quit her job like like yeah. that's that's what we're waiting on but it was only because she quit that we may get access to it wow. it's nice when the state mandates hodling i think it's an effective way to keep prices high mm -hmm. you know i can't help but wonder because like, like we kind of have a couple of examples to see how long this might take for people to realize the value of Bitcoin. Now, the one catch or the, the one main difference is that we actually already have a pretty robust U.S. market for Bitcoin. Um, like the U.S. is still the largest like participant in the Bitcoin system, which is kind of funny considering, you know, it's supposed to be for currency crises. Um, but like Venezuela and like these other countries and um, uh, uh, the Lebanese, like uh, Lebanon, um, it took a, it's taken a very, very long time for them to build volume out like during their crises to actually build out volume for a strong Bitcoin market. Like, like right off the bat, Bitcoin didn't really go up um, because they were just out of capital, you know? Like, like just like you say, if, if you're worried about the mortgage payment, if you're worried about the next payment, you need cash. Um, and people aren't looking for a place to put they're not they're not looking for a place to put long-term savings because they don't have any savings um so i don't know how long I don't, I don't know if that's a good comparison to like our situation because we have you know we have ways in and out of bitcoin we have a pretty serious market cash app is exploding like you y'all see the quarterly reports on that thing that chart looks ridiculous cash on what killing it oh how cash app how much Bitcoin uh, Square, like Cash App, moved. Um, like every quarter, they're having massive, massive growth. So it, the, the situation or the conditions definitely aren't the same. But I'm a little hesitant to say we're going to have an immediate 
like rip in the price upward because uh, we didn't see it in Venezuela. We didn't see it in Lebanon. It took a good chunk of time for that to really start to catch hold. So I don't know. I mean, I saw an article, I think it was on the Hill that said that this is like the death of libertarianism right now. Oh, that the Republicans, I saw one of those two. The Republicans have embraced socialism. You know, they're giving out just free money. They're going to do all this stuff with the employers to keep unemployment high, things like that. They did that 50 years um, ago. Yeah, I was like, just now they... uh <laughs> now is when it finally happened uh, yeah. before that libertarians just had a hold of the government <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean it is sad i mean there are only two parties in this country if they're both going to pretend like you have to just subsidize everything and just get payouts from the monetary system you know there's no other outlet there's there's no third party way to do anything yeah, yeah. No, it's kind so of weird. To, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So you have to really reject the state at that point. I mean, there's no choice. And anyone, I think even the general populace is not going to be in favor of this after a while, but it's entirely possible the two-party system is going to push push them out and you just kind of need to bring them into an anti-state Bitcoin uh, understanding of the world that you know works good for them and works well for their families and stuff. I think it's kind of funny that the most social distancing people seem to be the most kind of <clears throat> pro-government news-following people. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, so it's, it's kind of like the people, that, yep. the people that don't care about the news so much are the people that are l least social distancing. So it's kind of like, it's like the people that we're following the news are becoming the preppers. And the people that were kind of more libertarian are becoming more social. I don't know. Maybe that's too much. That's just the idea that popped in my mind. But isn't that the case? Like the people that are following the news the most are the most social distancing right now, right? Yeah, I think so. Man, I can't help but wonder. Like I feel like as more and more data comes out, and disclaimer, I'm not an epidemiologist. Um, but the more and more information comes out, I think we're going to find out that like our test, like our, our set of like testing data is so biased as towards like finding severe cases of COVID, um, that, um, that we're going to find out all the rates, the, the amount of severe severe cases the amount of deaths in relation to the pool of people who are actually infected versus the pool of people we are testing versus the pool of people that we are that we do know are infected um i think the pool of people that have been getting infected and nobody knew about it that were asymptomatic that um barely got sick and didn't even think to go get tested is going to continue to grow as the weeks go on and we're going to see this being much, much less of a thing. There are clearly severe cases, but I've, I've seen another um, thing come out that like 90 some odd percent of the people in Italy who died, like literally like 97 or something. I mean, again, who the hell makes up, who figures these damn statistics out? 
um, but that they all had some other condition. Like that they were sick with something else and then they got COVID on top of it. And that was the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, so I'm, I'm less and less concerned about the actual virus and more and more concerned about the economic fallout and what the hell the government thinks it now has the right to do. Which is scarier yeah. to me. Which is a lot scarier to me, exactly. Yeah, that's always the big fear. I think the COVID side is just a big mess. But I mean, just going back to Steve's point, like um, virologists and all these epidemic—I don't even know what the term is for like people who study <laughs> epidemics. You just used it not too long ago, but like all these people, like it's interesting that you know the—I guess you say the libertarians. They're kind of more like, okay, it's, it's more of a questioning piece. Like, okay, you say that this is happening, but I don't, I don't really believe it. I need more data. Whereas people who've, uh, like you said, Steve, the people who are, social dis- dis- who are practicing social distancing now, who are formerly, I guess, more, I, I, I won't even know what the word is. I don't want to say the word here, but um, different. those those folks are taking just this medical and virologist advice and all these other guys with very limited data by the way they're taking this advice at face value and they're causing so much fear that is just it's just so crazy to watch and um i I do i do notice that dynamic like i'm just pretty i'm free i'm like hey i want to go out and want to do all these things i don't think this thing is that bad but you just get that pressure, like, nope, don't even try it, man. You, you saw what that the report is like three percent die. And I'm like, how do you even get? How are you so solid on three percent? Yeah. Like, how, out like, of how did you get that? to that? That doesn't make any upset. sense. Like, that's you're nuts. Say, like, oh, it could be even higher. I'm like, all right, man. I'm, I'm gonna try to do my thing. Now the government's on top of you and saying, hey, you actually need to stay inside. So yeah, that that fear and the, the snowball effect, and obviously the hit to the economic side of things, where we're hit, we're taking a hit on the economy. Um, that's that's even scarier. Like um, you know, Wade said, I think that's that's the that's the part we really need to watch out for. But I mean, if you have holdings in Bitcoin, I don't think you really should be too scared, because <laughs> that's I think that's the perfect hedge in this type of situation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll tell you the yeah. reason I lean. Uh, like lean away from the whole thing um, is because the news is freaking out about it and they have cried wolf about 30 times too many for me to think they are going to be the ones with the reasonable realistic take on this situation and everybody is freaking out on Twitter and social media and I have never seen social media not freak out more than what is needed to freak out about anything. Like I have never seen Twitter go this, like take something that was serious and not take it to an, to, to as serious as you could exaggerate it. I've never seen them do the opposite. Social media is like a mechanism to never do the opposite. It never underplays everything. It overplays everything. So I feel like the only reasonable outcome is that this is a little bit less than the severity with which we are treating it. The, the only news I follow is the business news. It's just hard for me to believe they would wreck their life savings 
on <laughs> hysteria. I, I just don't think they would do it. They There's knowledge out there that this is really bad. I think what's most likely going to happen is the disease is just going to keep coming back over and over again for the next 18 months until we have a working vaccine available. And that the more times you get it, the deadlier it becomes for you. Like, I think, uh, I just don't think they would, you don't lose this money in the stock market ever. You know, the market is smart enough to stop the selling if it's not real. Every, every single person all in all these countries around the world are like all in, in on it. Like, they've wrecked themselves. And the well, bailout's not going to make so up for think, the losses. Do you think this is uh, an overreaction at all? Or do you think this is like necessary it's, it's, and that these are like smart economic decisions from people in you know, business. Oh, the, the economic decisions make no sense, but how bad the virus is going to be, it's, it could be horrific. Okay. I still, I still leave that on the table. Um, I mean, the one thing, Ron Paul, you know, he's like a medical doctor. He ran for, he was kind of like Bernie before Bernie, before they sabotaged him, but he was like trying, getting huge support outside the mainstream. Mm-hmm. and he's calling it a hoax on his YouTube channel. And this is, I think he's the most likely person to actually know the answer, being that he understands the medical profession and he understands how governments work. That if he says it's a hoax, that's the best case for it actually not being a big deal. No, I actually, time, just to clarify, because he's not saying that the virus itself is a hoax. He's saying that, um, just for anybody who didn't read it or see Ron Paul's thing, um, he's just talking about like the the level of response is a hoax. Like it's being built up way, way past what sort of response should happen. Um, like he gave an example, um, which is a pretty fair example, honestly, um, that you know, we've had like five to 10,000 deaths somewhere in there, like based on numbers uh, from this thing. And uh, in last year, how many, does anybody have any idea? Just take a guess. Like tuberculosis, you don't hear about this very often, right? <laughs> like when was the last time you heard about like tuberculosis disasters in the news? How many people would you think have died from tuberculosis last year? No idea. 1.6 million. Wow. Like imagine what the level of hysteria if COVID ended up at 1.6 million dead. Um, and like the, I mean, we're talking about like a hundred X sort of chaos from what we have right now. Like people would lose their minds in kind of the current, what the current environment is suggesting. That's so, not new and sexy though. No, it's not. No, it's not. And so it's not got good marketability. (laughs) And you and to take that with a grain of salt, you know, this is a novel virus. So like we don't want to add another one point six million dead, even if COVID just is as equally deadly as tuberculosis. Like that that would not be a good thing by any means. But you know, there's there's also a big trade-off in what we accept as a response to it. And I'm inclined to think that we are overblowing the shit out of this, but can I, yeah. can I offer, an, I don't know what I'm talking about. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Can I <laughs> offer one, one opinion? 
And I know yeah. that you guys have been watching me absolutely <laughs> devastate the Telegram channel. So sorry. <laughs> but yeah, let's, think, let's get uh, let's get JC on here first before yeah, you offer yeah, your yeah. opinion. Well, I mean, he's been he's been it's been good. I think steel sharp and steel. You know, um, yeah, it's great. Uh, and he caught a really, frankly, a little bit of an embarrassing error on my part. So I'm glad that he did that uh, uh, before more people saw it. Um, uh, I, I think that it could be a combination of both. Like, I, I think that, you know, this was, it could be a little bit of a perfect storm of events. And, you know, this kicked off in Wuhan. And we talk about flattening the curve by social distancing and em- employing, you know, hygienic practices or, or what have you um that that flatten the curve but then there are other things that can can serve to like steepen the curve or spike the curve and if you look at wuhan there's a lot of that there there's there's you know air pollution high cigarette smoking rates um uh, very elderly population i think there's very little data but we know from their their birth restrictions and stuff like that we can surmise that that's a possible that's definitely a possibility um and probably not a great healthcare system um, and the just density of the population, I think that perhaps this virus hit it really hard, really quick, or I, I don't say perhaps like it did. And a lot of different parties around the world hopped on it. Some in fear saying, holy smokes, what is this thing? It's a new thing. And it just killed a bunch of people. Like it was a big problem in Wuhan. There is nobody here doubting that. Um, but uh, then it kind of got out of control. Because you have this media that's so trained or, you know, whatever you want to, however you want to divvy up these buying groups of people and, and, and power structures, but you have a media that's, that serves to, to basically deliver a panic a day to, to the American population to keep everybody in fear. And they jumped onto it and then it started to get out of control. And then other people started to jump onto it. And I think that it could be something in between. This is a harmless virus and all of this panic is completely manufactured. And this is a horrific virus you know it could be something something in between there just based on on what i'm observing no i agree i was going to say with the human behavior like we've talked about this before it's always layered around narrative and i when wuhan happened and you see a country like china like literally welding the door shut to apartment buildings to contain it that's that's incredible measures into shutting down their country. That's incredible. But you got to think about it from their perspective. They didn't have any data. They're just seeing them pile up. They don't know if it's a 20% mortality rate. They don't know what it is. So that makes sense. Okay. But then, yeah, whenever you, it spreads, that's when the other narratives come into play. Like it, that's when the fear builds upon fear. And you toss in an election year on top of that. And for, for Trump and everywhere else, and we talk in the um, demographics of Italy and all this stuff. If you think about gun, gun violence, you know, whenever the Las Vegas shooting happened, what was it, like 52 people died? That's news. I think that's like maybe two weekends in Chicago. I don't know. That could be a gross overestimation. But it's like it's, if you spread out deaths over a period of time in any fashion, it's not alarming. But if you have this concentrated group, then, and you see these images or hear these anecdotal accounts of uh, places being overwhelmed, then yeah, that, that's fear worthy. It makes sense. So I agree that, that um, looking back, it may be an incredible overreaction. I've gone both ways. Like I was full on alarmist at the beginning. And then as time goes on, you're just like, I'm just not sure. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't have an opinion, honestly. I just, I just don't know. But I, I feel like uh, I saw a tweet actually. I forget the, the exact uh, quote, but basically, you could do two things. You, uh, I guess, three things. Option A is take the complete health approach and lock down everything, making sure that you contain it, or you uh, save the economy and let the medical system overwhelm itself and just let people go about their business. But the U.S. has taken the middle ground of scuttling both of them, letting people still be active and shutting down the economy. So regardless, I know this gets off topic of, of, of Bitcoin specifically, but it, it just seems like it's narrative driven and it's reactionary. But the thing is where, where does Bitcoin come back into play is, is it's just, it's interesting to think about if you were to write the story of Bitcoin from the financial crisis to its evolution and development to now, and it, it has an opportunity. You know, we said that it's not exactly ready for the main stage, but it, it, it this may be, if you look back 10 years in the, from now, the best position that it could have been in to kind of bring the financial system to its knees and then uh, looking for alternative ways of doing things. So uh, even though it's may not ready, a lot of people aren't ready for the positions they're placed in and they're, they're put, them, put them in that position in times of crisis, but it could be uh, overall a good thing. You know? Yeah, you know, just one, one thing real quick. I think social media has evolved to the state where, I mean, we built these massive echo chambers that it's any, any, any point or topic that anyone, I mean, you could be anybody you put online has so much leverage these days. So if there's actually something serious or potentially serious like hit social media, it's gonna be atomic. It's gonna be like um, uh, an atomic bomb basically dropping. And I don't think we've actually experienced an, a pandemic with our current social media capabilities. Um, yeah. there, there hasn't been anything close to Corona. Cause Corona, if you look, compare Corona to like previous you know, pandemics, it's it pales in comparison. So I don't think we first I don't think we've experienced a pandemic with our local social media, but I don't think, you know, most people who are, you know, the economists, the people who are the smart folks in business, I don't think they've they were ready for this either. And the market reactions are weird. Um, well they're not re weird after in, in hindsight because people were trying to take money out and try to prepare themselves. But if, the, if, if this causes an economic crash, this also works well for Bitcoin because that same, that same echo chamber that the, coronavi the, uh, the coronavirus used to like spread basically, because this is like a so the social media virus to, to me. There was no way people <laughs> without some social media kind of would know the level of intent that Corona had to cause you know, the government to shut everything down like this. That's the same weapon i'd say a weapon that bitcoin can also use if that if the economy crashes those same folks who complained about the coronavirus and talked about wuhan is like oh it's coming to the u.s are going to be the same folks who will be like hey bitcoin hey you guys in china hey you guys in um in india america better hop on bitcoin now that dollar is going away get on bitcoin now so it's a double-edged sword so it's going to be interesting I, i'm hoping not to say i'm a doomsday guy but i'm just hoping Bitcoin does come out and reaps the benefits from this. Man, you make a really good point. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Um, you make a really good point about the, uh, which I hadn't quite framed it this way, but this is a really good way to frame it, um, is that not only is the coronavirus novel, like not only is our economic situation novel, um, but we're not just testing the experiment of those two things. We are also getting, we are simultaneously, it's, it's kind of like dealing with um, when things change in value related to the dollar is that you also have to measure the dollar. Like you need a denominator here. And our denominator is an experiment as well, is that this is the first time all of this has happened over social media. Like that is just as much an experiment and an unknown as to how this is being treated versus reality as the economic situation is new to us. Like we, you know, we don't really have precedent for this sort of crash, at least not for a very, very long time. Um, and then same again with the virus and the pandemic is that mm -hmm. all of this, we're not just looking at those two things. We're looking at it through the lens of social media, which is in itself a lens we've never used before. So we don't right. really have a fucking clue what's going on. <laughs> no, we, we don't. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a way to kind of bring this <clears throat> testing thing back to Bitcoin through Austrian theory. So I'm, I'm taking Seyfedin's class right now, his macroeconomics class. Ooh, how is uh, that? It's really good, man. Yeah. 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 I mean, I paid 85 bucks for it, but um, I think it's worth the money. Anyway, <clears throat> we're talking about how price is a language just of information to tell everyone what everyone values mm -hmm. and and because this is a problem that can't be solved like the amount of information of what people value <clears throat> um is just it's such a decentralized problem that there is just no way of knowing and this is the similar situation i find with the coronavirus um the fact is that there is no way of knowing if the disease has already spread throughout the population and if testing is, you know, just now showing up on the scene, or if this really is a big problem and the disease is really bad, worse than people think, and it hasn't reached its peak yet. This is a question that nobody knows. Just like the question of how much do people value a gallon of milk is a question that nobody knows. And any like centralized way of trying to get this information is going to be wrong. Like the, the, the price mechanism of economics is a way of aggregating this information. We don't have a way of aggregating the information about the severity of the coronavirus. The social media way is like the centrally planned economy way. It's like, social media gives value to people who get reactions right so people are incentivized to take pictures of grocery stores with empty toilet paper shelves this that that's the what, one corner shelf that's right exactly make sure that they do it vertical so you can't see the side that's stocked right. yeah right so there's there's no incentive system to get good information about the coronavirus through testing or through social media it's like we don't have a system like price to deal with um, aggregating the information about the severity of the virus. I don't know. I, I've just been thinking about that. No, that's, that's perfect. I, I like that because, okay. because you, you hit it right on the head. Social media, in a sense, is 
a false mechanism of giving us, I guess, the, the true gauge of what's happening. Just because we're getting information faster doesn't mean that infor- information is automatically correct. Or just because that information <laughs> is, drama- is dramatized or, uh, I guess, dressed up in a certain way that we like it doesn't mean that information is correct. But with price or just a natural free market, you're pretty much spot on. I mean, you're going you're gonna to get the true value of whatever it is you're seeing there. So, yeah, I agree with that. It's funny thinking about this from the social media perspective of truth. Like, hey, if, you're, what, if you're... What's up, Bob? Welcome if you're Bitcoin... Call. Yo. Hey, Bob. What hey. up, Flerms? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? No, but, like, if, you're, if your node operated, like people do on social media like how would the average bitcoin transaction look it's like every <laughs> transaction would be sending all 21 million bitcoin you know because your node doesn't know if it's true or not it's like the most incredible transaction you've ever seen your node is like i have no idea what's going on here man there's like people sending 21 million everywhere <laughs> just make an analogy to your bitcoin node as a social media influencer <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst influencer because it doesn't fall for anything, you know. <laughs> Fake news doesn't exist. The Bitcoin node is the opposite of influencer. <laughs> yeah, it's a punisher. Um, I don't know what the opposite is. <laughs> it's just the opposite of reactionary. It will tell you the hard truth, and it doesn't. It it cannot subjectively care about what that means. But the incentives like a, for social media are just make it as exaggerated as possible because only if it causes a reaction, only if it incites some sort of panic or strong emotion, does it even spread? So there's a, there's a big thing like, uh, Gene, you're talking about, um, how information spreads so much faster, but we have a huge problem is that we can only diagnose, uh, like uh, diagnose, we can only digest a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of any of that information. Um, and what gets, gets put in front of us, there's the, um, I forget what the, what it's referred to as, but there's, it's basically like a power law distribution of information that gets shared and pictures that get shared and stuff. Is that like 80% or 90% of the traffic of images or whatever is like the same subset of like, 10,000 images even though there are like billions out there because wow. of the virality of the information some information clicks in a certain way and causes some sort of reaction and then you know our endorphins get us to share and spread that one piece so we see teeny 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 tiny amounts of everything that's actually available um, and we don't have a mechanism we don't have a good mechanism to sort sorting and filtering is insanely difficult in this new environment so yeah i i i I agree i feel like i never win this argument but i I walk around like the the nc state library on a regular basis and when i see the variety of information and books on the shelves it just blows away the variety of things that you see on the internet like people think the internet has everything but i feel like because of that virality mechanism you only see the things that spread like crazy and this ends up being a very small variety of things like it's just like 
I don't know. It just feels constricting in a way. In a way, I guess this this kind of off topic, but I think it's the systems of interaction. It's how we interact and like access that information that makes it so limiting. Is that like I think the internet is an ocean. Like if you're looking specifically for something, it's almost always there. Like like the ocean of information on the internet is incredibly vast, but because of how we interact with it, because of the, the mechanisms of sharing and liking and retweeting that is the front page of the internet, I right. think you're right. We end up seeing a more limited view. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of people who would not see any view. Like they wouldn't go to the library, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, like, Right. It still is, I think, a net increase in the spread of information, but it's a smaller subset of the most exaggerated things that actually make it in front of people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. There's no there's no browsing. Like there, yeah. if you know if That's you know exactly it. what you're looking for, like yeah, you can find the weirdest thing, but you can't just browse weird things. If you just want to try to yeah. browse weird things. You're gonna browse the most basic cliche viral things. Man, you guys are on fire with the analogies right now. That's, <laughs> it's crazy because I'm I'm just picturing a library I go into, and then right before I even get to like the book section, two of my friends are pulling me in different directions before I even get a chance to browse. Like that's the internet right now. Yeah. Like I, before I even go on the internet, I'm getting pulled in different directions. Like, hey, I shared this with you. Trump just said this. Uh, this guy said this. <laughs> We're in a library, you just walk in, it's like, hey, there's so many books, let me just look around and enjoy that experience. That's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Don't even go to a library, go to a used bookstore. Used bookstore, yeah. A used oh, yeah. bookstore <laughs> is actual books that people have read, and that's it's true. the actual owner wanted to buy them and thought someone else would like reread this book. And so I was in one in Raleigh the other day, and I've never been in a bookstore that was less compatible with me. And it was a huge bookstore. There were probably a million books in there. And then I'm also like trying to wrap my head around it. Like how did all these books even get in here? Like one at a time, like choosing them and on a shelf. But, but it was just crazy. Just seeing like, think about the articles you've read on the internet and how many times normies come up to you with stuff you've already seen. And yet, in this library, none of this stuff was even stuff I wanted or had seen before. It was just a bunch of stuff. It was just highly eccentric, highly detailed. Someone actually read these books. And if I thought, I had no idea this knowledge even existed in the general populace. You know, you have this dumbed down version of people. And you're like, oh, wait, no, people are doing interesting things. There's just no outlet. I think that's probably on purpose. You can't describe a cool book through any of the social media platforms to anybody else. Yeah, it, just ideas are so limited by design through these platforms. Yeah. Mm. And it feeds so well off of our lack of attention instead of like, like it doesn't, it ends up being a like the protocols or the, the interface of these things are a reaction to us themselves. They're like, it's kind of like the, Whole, everything is priced at nine ninety nine instead of ten dollars is because our simple mindedness has a difficult time in seeing. We see the difference between nine and ten, you know. Like so, one looks 
like it just has this association of being cheaper. Um, and in the exact same way, um, like on, or in a similar way on social media is that we are, I mean, tweets are 280 characters. Is that like, I think that is so viral and like for a very specific reason is that we don't read full paragraphs. Like we, we read a headline and then the first half of the first paragraph and then we have a reaction. We're like, yeah, this is the shittiest thing I've ever heard. And let me retweet it to everybody I know. Like, so I don't know. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's so interesting to see like what a, Damn it, what a hell of a time to be alive. To... I, I, I want to call Bitcoin the social media of money just because that sounds good at first, but <laughs> then I hesitate and I'm like, wait, no, Bitcoin's the opposite of social media. Damn it. <laughs> is it, media. Is yeah, Bitcoin the so, social media of money or is it the opposite? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the connected thing, like peer-to-peer -peer connected thing. I feel it's the anti-social media. You know, is it the anti-social media? I mean, if you think about the people who are the stars of Bitcoin, are the people that are most hated. Like nobody likes any. If you if you're a known person in in cryptocurrency, everyone hates you. Is this is this gonna be the next? Is this gonna be the next huge uh, blowout fight online uh, in, in Bitcoin? Is whether it is the social media of money or the social media of money, and we're gonna have to suffer thirty two threat you know 32 tweet <laughs> threads and medium articles and flame wars oh, this is a bunch of guys who got doesn't play well with others in grade school you know and yeah. like, screw you that is very interesting i mean we have andreas who well let's say andreas a year ago was hugely popular and everybody liked him like more recently you know some people don't like him as much but other than him i think you're right the most popular people are the hated people Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you have like Trace Mayer, uh, who's awesome, or at least was awesome, but he's yeah. nowhere near somebody like Roger Ver or <clears throat> Craig Wright, who are mm -hmm. known by everybody because they're hated. Was, this is interesting. Is it no, it's a but, but it makes sense, though, because people who get into an early technology or early anything, they don't care what other people think because if you're part of the herd, you're not going to yeah. venture outside, color outside the line. Right. And people who are willing to stand behind something that isn't adopted by the herd are going to be people who just don't give a shit. And uh, those people who don't give a shit don't care what you think. They don't care what I think. And you kind of develop that kind of armor against not needing that social validation. And that's why in Bitcoin, a trace can be excommunicated so quickly or a Roger or whoever else. It's kind of, you know, we, we use the analogy of religion, but it's just one of those things where um, they are so such independent thinkers that n no one, no heroes, right? Because everybody could go anywhere at any given moment. That is a strength of it that they don't care, but it's also a point of... Uh, of division for sure when you get these different sects like bsv or bch or whatever else so it's to be expected but i think it's actually healthy yeah i actually wrote uh or spoke about that in today's episode i, I read an article by a guy who worked in crypto and was just kind of detailing his lengthy frustrations and just what the 
what the F's all the way across the board about the industry where, you know, he started out thinking, oh, we're going to change the world. And then he's just like, this is just scams and people inventing money and making nonsense, like dog shit blockchain games as he called it. Um, and, you know, just, just everything on the blockchain for no reason at all. Um, and, uh, uh, but in doing so, is it like I, like I was kind of, I guess you could say defending the Bitcoin ecosystem because he talked about like everybody has leaders and that's one of those things that I still can't quite put my finger on where the foundation of this is, but that Bitcoiners will so readily eat their own um, that, that somehow there is a, which this is almost, this is incredibly difficult to do like there are very few cultures that properly have this but there's an underlying set of principles that we will kill our heroes for you know like it's hard to say trace mayor like i could you give me two months back i wouldn't have been able to pinpoint somebody trace mayor would have been in yeah. my top five for most respected um mm -hmm. like least yeah questioned like bitcoin ogs and he was gone. Because he had the track record. He was been, gone in 48 yep. hours. Like, he was just excommunicated. Like, just like the vast <laughs> majority of people were just like, yep, he's a shit corner now. Um, we smelled so, it coming. Wow. I'd say, like, I smelled it coming like a month out. Yeah. You, you did, you, man. Yeah, you were kind of calling the earlies. The earlies yeah. on those. Like, you've been, been over there that. like, what was, way, what was tipping you off? <laughs> questionable. What, what was tipping you off, Steve? Just out of curiosity. I think maybe I've just been around so long that I've seen so many falls from graces that I, well, um, I don't know. I, there I was start, like coin join stuff. He was like shitting on coin joins. A bunch. Oh yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. That's and right. given into business partners. Was, yeah. I think people that That's I right. think LA crypto, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. That was it too. Yeah. That, that one was yeah. my first. Huh. And you, you brought that up. I think I didn't believe you at that point that I was just like, uh, I'll let him, I'll let him get away with promoting a really garbage, uh, like wallet or whatnot. But you're right. That was the beginning of the end there. I forgot about that. You definitely. Do you think he for sure has changed as a person? Or you think this is a, like a compromised individual, you know, at some point you're rich, the CIA comes after you. Like, do you just have to use that's what's going on? You know, we're, it's always worrisome about that, especially in crypto. Yeah, I always. think that's it's actually it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Eddie. No, that was it. I was, was going to say that's a, that's a great feature that crypto has because you can pollute yourself if you need to. Like, you could say, you know, one sentence and like that's what's that thing that like if you're if you're held hostage you say something that oh, like airy yeah. like a, a dead man switch or not a dead man switch uh, it, it's something like that yeah yeah but like you could do that to yourself so easily and everybody's like all right yeah disavow this person yeah like <laughs> yeah i think that's the best case scenario and yeah, that's yeah yeah uh, the, the the worst case scenario is that he um you know got out for some other reason that he didn't really didn't want to be in it anymore that we don't know but yeah the best case scenario is he kind of like outed himself on purpose like that 
I think yeah. the most likely right now, I mean, I would like to believe that he outed himself on purpose, that it was kind of like a, the canary in the coal mine situation is, you know, he's discrediting himself because somebody has influence over him. Um, but from, I don't know, from my, my cursory uh, exploration of it, um, I'm inclined to think he probably lost a lot of Bitcoin. Um, that he has been trading, even though he sells the holders of last resort sort of theory or the, um, the stance and that he, you know, was probably in him. I'm sure he's not broke. Um, but I can't imagine like he would go fully broke here, but it could be a situation where he used to have a billion dollars and now he's only got like 30 million and he's like, got to make it back, you know? Um, so I don't know. Damn. I'm inclined to just lost him because he 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 lost a lot of money. People were talking about like conversations where he was mentioning like covered calls and like stuff like that. And (laughs) that just gets me thinking that somebody's just being, you know, kind of putting on their facade in public and then going and be like, Don't trade, don't trade. And then he goes on his computer and he's like, I'm trading. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I gotta hop out of here uh real quick. Um, but thanks much for dropping the link guy yeah man yeah absolutely thanks for joining yeah, yeah thanks for joining this more often. great having you like this more often. Hey, man and before yeah. i go i just won ten thousand sats on spin the wheel and fold so i'll leave oh I, I gotta spin my wheel. <laughs> dude. everybody spin your legendary wheels. lucky best dude. <laughs> all right later yeah. ten thousand bitcoin that's nice no but going back to your your comment about bitcoiners being willing to eat their own and i think i think it's just because in bitcoin people are central around an ideology it's not a location it's not like oh we're, we're all east coasters or we're all pacific northwest it's uh oh well but it's just the ideology and no matter who you are no matter where you're from no matter how long you've been in, in the game if you're not if you're not in the same uh camp then it's just it's a binary situation it's like you're here you're here and not and it's just like you're out and i think that is one of the the strengths of it because if if the social consensus around what bitcoin is is not strong then the code's going to change humans create hold the hold the power to change the code so if it isn't as strong then bitcoin's not strong so uh, i think it's just one of the the, when that stuff happens with trace or with anybody whatever i mean when i came in you know, um, uh, Krawitz was big in the Nakamoto Institute, and then he went to mm-hmm. BSV, Robert BCH. And no, so, BSV. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. So it's just one of those cautionary tales. It's like, you just what, who, what do you care more about, the relationships or the, or the cause, so to speak? I mean, of course, yeah. you hate to lose those, um, those, those people in your camp and whatnot, but, um, but yeah, it could happen to anybody, and and you're apparently in this system, you're only as honest as your last action. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, you know, the people that, that fall in these situations, like they're not dummies, you know, like Trace is a very smart guy. Daniel Cray was, he's a very smart guy. Like he's a lot of his articles on the Nakamoto Institute are like from 14, 15. Those are fantastic articles, you know, Yeah. that like his I would read today. And solid. yeah. Yeah. No, and that's, that's one thing bored. that makes it, I don't know. 
but it's it's not as simple as like oh they're dummies you know mm-hmm. like i don't think we i don't know what i don't know what it is though I, don't, I think we do get too ideological with this you know i think it's more that bitcoin shouldn't have an ideology as much as it has a culture and because it is have a very like diverse views about everything we don't it's not there's not there's a consensus. It's not that the ideology is already there and we all agree to it. There's a, you know, there is a bit of a shift in how things are done and uh, people contribute in different ways. You know, there's somebody who's running a node for someone who's actually doing um, dev work, that sort of thing. So I, I don't think we should kick people out permanently or anything. I think that's kind of a weird thing to do. I mean, everybody's going to make mistakes everybody might make mistakes and never even realize it was a mistake. Like, but like I think their voices are still valid. You just have to know, keep, keep their whole record in mind or so and kick them out. Well, I don't think it's really a like kick them out of like Bitcoin. I mean, obviously you can't kick anybody out of Bitcoin, um, but you're out guy. <laughs> 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 Guys, later. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that you kind of you you basically signal your loss of respect. That you know, like it's basically like a social signal of like I am no longer including you in the people that I think I should default. At least listen to what you have to say. Like I am now going to like, I will always, you know, question first, but I have a very limited amount of people that I can actually listen to and take for consideration. Um, And you have been excommunicated from that. And that's just kind of like a general sentiment in the community of where information spreads in Bitcoin. Because like, I think that's the, that's the big thing about Twitter is that the culture is there to filter that information again we're always flooded with a thousand x the amount of information we can actually assess so we put on very strict filters as to who we allow to you know be a barrier to bullshit information first like who is that community that we're following and listening to and that you have to kind of have a a very clear set of principles i guess you could say um to be included in that and that we will not value the person over i guess you could say the filter or the principle um behind it um, and i guess i was thinking of a different format like would you still see like if you were at a conference and trace mayor was up like talking would you go see him still like i would yeah, still think no. he yeah. not a valid stuff well maybe i don't know i probably would but only if there wasn't you know, Alex Bosworth wasn't talking. Like, I would put him down the list of who, if somebody else that I have more respect for, which that list has grown since all of this unfolded, um, then yeah, I would just go listen to the other person. Interesting. So, I was trying to think about other industries where the most popular people were the most hated. And the first thing that came to mind was professional wrestling. Yeah. 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 Isn't that weird? And then the second thing that came to mind was Trump. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. politics, politics in general. Like anybody who got elected is simultaneously the most hated. And billionaires. But politicians are also loved, I guess, by some people. Whereas oh, in yeah, Bitcoin, definitely. yeah, like if everybody loves you, you're probably not that popular. <laughs> you know, people probably don't know about you. But are well, the politicians... Is, is there anybody that everybody loves? Right. Me. Uh-oh, <laughs> uh, uh, set myself up for that. I guess like Marty and... Um, What's his name? Rabbit Hole Recap guys. Marty and Matt. Those would probably be the the mm, top right now. They're maybe? top. They're top love. I love those guys. Yeah. And what if one of those guys goes down? That would be terrible. I would be distraught. Yeah. If, who, okay. That's a question. Who would be Who's who next? Would you be most <laughs> shook by? Who's at the top right now that would just rock you if they went to a shit corner? Truth be told, it would probably be... Well, Luke Dash, Luke Jr. If Luke Jr. went <laughs> oh, to no. a shit corner, okay, if that happened, I'd be like, damn. Maybe I, I, need, I, maybe I need to go to that shit corner. I disagree. I think he, I think he can become a shit corner really fast. <laughs> okay. yeah. Luke is a little bit out there for me. So I just take, he says some stuff all the time that I'm just like, man, all right. He believes. A lot of respect believe. for his opinion on Bitcoin, but. Everything external to that, I'm usually just like, ah, I'll just skip over this one. I'll just be, about people in this group. <laughs> if Matt Odell suddenly turned on yeah. privacy, right, or if Saifedine, uh turned on anything regarding <laughs> 21 million, um, so those yeah, two would really throw me <laughs> for a loop because they're both so they've been so consistent you know they're yeah. so consistent and they are so clearly into it like like the, every time they are off on a rant that is where it goes and it gets vicious and it gets heated and they're like this 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 and it's the same story every time so if those changed i'd be like what the hell is going on i'd be confused i'd be shook yeah i think i think for me uh, honestly I, I don't think if any of those guys changed, I would really be shook. What would shake me is like people who I've met in person, like you guys, who have been pretty adamant, and all of you guys convert. That would definitely shake me a little bit. Like that would be a coin called Grin. <laughs> Dude, Grin is hey, that. Hey, is have you guys heard about that thing called Grin? I mean, I, I'm not even kidding you. I just came on this. Have you guys heard about Grin? I just found out. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey. Hey, B- hey, Billy! Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, hey, where you been? You're, you're recording this, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Because nobody else is. I couldn't figure it out on my side. Yeah, it's recording. Um, we we started the podcast asking if Bitcoin had gotten thrown to the wolves early, like before it's ready, and whether we're having to start building citadels before we were ready to or wanted to. You got any uh, thoughts on that? Well, I, the the part that I wanted to jump in on is the I've, I've been listening for about three four minutes um, okay. intently, but um, you know why do Bitcoiners eat their own? And uh, I think there's a real simple explanation for that. Um, in a nutshell, we don't have the government to shit upon. 
You know, we don't have any centralizing <laughs> agency. We've got to look to the people that are the mouthpieces of Bitcoin. And when they start doing stuff that we don't like, we, we pounce on that. Just like we pounce on a politician that says something we don't agree with. Um, mm. If I, Actually, I, I did some Googling around and uh, Nick Carter had a piece uh, a while back about uh, called the, the Peaceful Revolution. Uh, and it starts off with, like, people shouldn't be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. And I was like, well, how does that relate to Bitcoin? You know, you want to you really shit on someone's day, you start just talking about changing something. And, and you know, to get famous, you'll just lose a lot of traction with people um, when you start talking about changing anything. And I think we just look to, we look to people like celebrities. And if they say something we don't like, we just shit on them. Because it's easy and it's cool and it's cheap. That's great. I, I think That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. I think that we're doing something really smart, almost like as a true anarchist realization that if somebody gets too big, you just have to kill them over something minor. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's a draconian system, but it's a draconian attitude towards leadership, just that we do not want it. We, want, we only care about things on their own merit. We don't care about people, you know, We'll just ruin you in public and then go be anonymous. You know, I, I do I, think Bitcoin is consistent, though. Like, you know where the lines are. And yeah. that's valuable as opposed to a draconian society where it can just pop up out of nowhere and you're not in favor. What, what, what I like about that, Lee, is that we know where the lines are now. Like, everyone, we've been through so many different, like, conversations and redefining of where the lines are. You know, go back a couple of years, we were talking about block size everybody was trying to draw the line of demarcation of a block size. Yeah. We now know what that is. Like there, there is Bitcoin and then there's not Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I really like that topic. I just, I, I'm excited for what the next battle is going to be. You know, like when government Probably. says, yeah, if it's like, what is, you know, what is Bitcoin as relates to whatever the next privacy uh, thing is. I think we even try to have that conversation in some limited regard with whether Litecoin is actually Bitcoin. Obviously it is, and we all agree that it is, but you know, <laughs> and I'm not trying to stir the pot here, but like talking about the next iteration of it, uh, we're constantly just redefining what it is. And the bigger and the more complex a system becomes, the more nuanced the discussion becomes. Yeah, there's, I, a, go ahead. there's a really interesting, there's a really interesting element to that too, because it's not as if we're just trying to figure out what's socially acceptable or um, like, it's not simply that we're just trying to get what the majority wants. We actually have, like when we're trying to draw that line, we're doing it with this thing that we are all vested in that exists and is codified that in a way we're really just trying to define it and like what it is so we it's it's almost as if we're arguing over what it is that we are seeing like like what it is that we are using so there's a lot less ambiguity in what definition we actually come to like what conclusion we find that line to be um and so it's really it's it's like it really is kind of like a something that i've referred to in the past is that like we have it's not majority rule, you know, it's not, this is not a democracy, clearly. It's kind of a, a minority is able to prevent a shift. Um, and a little bit that goes to the social sphere as well is that 
we can't just arbitrarily define this thing. Like we have something to look at to attempt to pull these principles and these lessons and these definitions from. I don't know. I don't know if I explained that very well, but. I think it's more like you can't influence the direction of Bitcoin, really. It has to move on its own. Like yeah. if you touch it, it's like the Ark of the Covenant. You immediately die. <laughs> you're just like, oh, you just gotta, oh no, oh no. Sorry about that bit. Please, I apologize. <laughs> well, but, uh, I, I'm wondering who's going to be the hero that saves uh, Bitcoin from the coronavirus because I've heard that 5% of Bitcoin transactions have the virus. And oh, no. Someone yeah. is it's developing a fork of Bitcoin that won't process any Bitcoins that have the virus. It won't. Well, my UTXOs are immune, so it's okay. Are, are they? Lucky they are. bastard. When's the virus going to jump over into the digital world? I mean, it's well, only it, a matter it, of time, right? It came yeah. from XRP is what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Ripple is a virus. <laughs> guys, I had a, a topic that I, I'm wondering what you guys think about is, is this the time for Bitcoin to really develop a gray market in this country in a big way? If we're under food shortages and there are limitations on supplies, Bitcoin's not a currency. Are you allowed to barter with whatever you want? Like, are they allowed to, to restrict that? It would be really interesting because Bitcoin could end up being... Like that's kind of the idea is that the supply and the more they try to do price controls and control the supply and print money and, you know, drop it from helicopters and all that crap. Um, the more prices will meet, have any meaning or the, excuse me, the less prices will have any meaning whatsoever um, as far as reality goes in the dollar market. And this could actually be a time to shine that, Bitcoin becomes a fuel for the gray markets and finding actual prices of goods and reallocating resources in spite of the Im immense manipulation and disinformation of dollar pricing. Yeah, I just think there's some things that are just going to be in short supply and you're essentially messing up the market if you don't allow the market to set pricing. And we don't know how it's getting disrupted, but you need to allow the actual price to happen. You can't just allow shortages and then, and then no reselling. You know, I think, I think that's how you actually prevent the goods from getting to who needs it because there's no secondary market to make sure it gets there. It would be crazy if we saw something like Silk Road um, pop up on the dark web for toilet paper for and toilet paper <laughs> pure for things I'm that, like on craigslist like do you want like you know something like that for, but for the shortage like everyone's missing certain supplies and right now people are being nice about it like if you're out of diapers you're just like oh we, i went on a facebook group and some other mommy got me some but eventually you could get cutthroat you know And That's then you need to be able to, if there are actual restrictions, you know, they can watch all our dollar transactions with debit cards. You know, they freeze the ATMs a lot in, uh, in crises as well. So if that's frozen, if they're watching everything you do on Venmo, then maybe they have to, people have to go to Bitcoin to like do anything 
that might get audited. Yeah, and yes. I'd be curious too because one of the one things, one of the one things, one of the things that you can always mm -hmm. count on if the government is giving people money is that it's going to come with strings attached. Like yeah. that's that that's their reason for giving out money because the money is free, but they get to keep the strings. Um, what are the strings attached to? So, well, like, is this is this twelve hundred thing? Uh, is that going to happen? And I don't believe. I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea, I think man. It's gonna happen, man. Um, but they, the thing is, is that one of the bills, like right now, are literally has in it as a proposal the creation of a quote-unquote digital dollar, um, not like a cryptocurrency or a blockchain, but essentially it would be given out as a balance sheet at a Federal Reserve Bank that is like an account for the person that it is given to, and then you can transfer it to other places. So rather than using like a commercial bank, you actually have an account at the federal, in the federal reserve system with the amount in it, and then you can transfer it where they allow you to transfer it. Like, so that's what I'm getting at is that what can you spend those quote unquote digital dollars on? They're going to, there's no way we get free money and they don't tell us they do not limit us in some way in how we can spend it. Um, so I don't know. Um, that, that will, that'll work for a gray market very, very quickly. I think because people will not want to be told how to spend it. Like, yeah. I mean, they, don't want their, they want their billion dollar bailouts with no strings attached, you know? Yeah. They, well, they want their bailouts with no strings attached, but they won't, they won't, <laughs> they won't extend that forward to the population without taking, crazy advantage of it i mean what other dollar do you get from the government anywhere the I mean, strings attached i mean that's I how mean, they you've cost like, the economy what you know a thousand dollars a month and they've cost the economy what four years of gdp yeah we've lost four all years that of gdp growth. and another 10 10 trillion dollars worth of debt since 2008 alone but we, but we owe them we should bail yeah. them out Th these are our heroes that we need to keep propping up and give them another second chance because only good things can come be around the corner if we keep these guys in charge. They're a winning team. Hey, guys. I wanted to just make, uh, make sure we know that we're, we're in a dangerous situation here because we've got a, a woman listening into the Bitcoin podcast. Oh, man. Cover oh, everything no. up. <laughs> guys, stop talking about it immediately. Hide your private keys. It's disrupt things. Hide your private, private keys. Hide <laughs> your private no bad dad jokes, guys. <laughs> that's funny. Dangerous times, you know, bringing women into Bitcoin. That's how bad it is. <laughs> We're desperate. That's how you know. I've been hearing about this podcast for a while. I had to hear what it's all about. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Thanks for letting me join, y'all. Nothing, nothing savory or useful by any means. No, what we usually do is just the guys just strip for each other. So that's what we do. <laughs> You have to leave leave before that happens. I think I, I think I'm gonna get out of here, guys. So am I on that? I'm still a little too early for that right now, huh? Yeah, that doesn't happen until nine o'clock. Get ready. So have you guys been going over your drills for your emergency drills for recovering your Bitcoin private seeds together? Is that like a marital thing to do? Yeah. Dang yeah. <laughs> Um, that was a low confidence yeah <laughs> there was one day like 
what last week where we sat down and we kind of just talked about where everything kind of is stored at the moment and he created a that's enough detail. That's yeah. enough detail. That's next on the agenda. Dude, what the hell, man? He created <laughs> one with how many words? You, hey, you, you failed. You <laughs> failed. I had to test her, man. This is all a test. This is all a test. <laughs> Can you remember any of those words that were written down? <laughs> Just feel free to mention them right now. Good to have a backup. You know, we got a lot of people. Everybody get out your pencil and paper. <laughs> no, but we were talking earlier about how, uh, like, my mom was going over her seed words. And I, I, I think other people said that they had done that, too. Like, I think this is a time during quarantine that people are going to be revisiting their, their seed words and their whatever safety precautions do you guys actually memorize your seed words i'm not i'm not answering that i'm not answering that no (laughs) i didn't understand the question i don't think you should be memorizing them no i don't recommend that security perspective well i'm curious what you're telling people that you want but everyone's oh. got their method of writing. No, yeah, everybody's now. got their method. But what, what's your specific reason? Because I come up with a number of different reasons. But what's your specific reason as to why that would be a bad idea? I mean, you can still get it. I mean, you can be tortured out of it at this point. Right, you know, that, yeah. Yeah, that's the reason I wouldn't do it. So deniability on access, essentially. Um, and so that you don't become your own enemy in, in a a bad situation i guess you could say yeah plausible deniability. i mean plausible but like i don't know i think once someone beat starts beating you i think it'll, they might be able to tell if you actually know it or if you don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so how would you recover your bitcoin then like i mean you i mean you have to just use backups but you know i mean they'll beat the crap out of you for your backups for locations of your backups. Yeah, but the thing so, is, is that I, I understand the argument is that your backup might not be immediately accessible wherever you are, but wherever you are, if you're getting beaten senseless and you memorized your words, those are always immediately available yeah. right there. Hopefully your brain is still in the same location as the rest <laughs> of the body that's being beaten. That's the value of Kata's three of five. Right? If not, it doesn't, five? Mem- it doesn't matter if you memorized it or not. So it's a matter of your armed robbers taking a trip to wherever your backups are. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'll, I'll say this now because I'm not doing this method anymore. But for a while, my seeds were in my gym locker. So I would have to have the guy that was trying to whatever get them from me take me to the gym. And I had gone through like all of this, this like procedure of what I was going to do when he brought me to the gym. To like get the police and everything, so yeah, it's good to uh, they're not there anymore. But it's 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 nice to have them not on you, and you have to make the person bring you somewhere, and then have a plan for when that person brings you to that place. Okay, that makes sense. That was that was my thinking back then. Like your favorite pizza shop, and when you go in and order anchovy pizza, it's like call the cops. <laughs> 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 I got you. Yeah. Our plans uh, like with like anchovies now. and pineapples with oh pizza, my gosh. please. <laughs> I'm shocked. I don't know if you guys said uh mentioned that you're good with cash shop. You felt safe with just leaving it leaving it in a cash shop. Who said that? 
I'm, I'm shocked that no, no one said that. <laughs> oh, that no one said that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Someone said that. That's bait. <laughs> yeah. Cash App's been killing it, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have. Yeah, for real. Um, they've been – it's the only reason I can get in and out of it quick. Um, and it's the reason that I've been able to actually stack some during this time. Thank What's their daily limit? Thank Lord Satoshi. Um, I think daily limit of purchasing is ten thousand dollars. Oh wow! Um, selling it's like two. Hmm. Yeah, withdrawing is two. Can't take withdrawing, out. withdrawing. Yeah, so two selling is five. Yeah. Withdrawing is two, and buying is ten. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's scary because I mean, that's it. That's cash up is a great way to onboard it. You know, get more Bitcoin pretty quickly, but. It's only a matter of time until they get locked down and they start, you know, slimming things down for people. Well, they actually just got a, they just got a charter to start like giving out, like they, they just got like a, some, some sort of a like banking charter. Like they're going to actually be able to mm -hmm. like give out loans and issue like, like the immediate um, thoughts to this are that Cash App is could literally go into the like collateralized Bitcoin backed loan business hmm. um, because they're very well positioned for that. And the fact that I actually have real, like this could end up if cash app starts really doing the functions of a bank and issuing credit cards, they can actually collateralize with some crazy um, uh, reserves on their, like they could end up being like a sort of fully reserve provable reserve bank. Right in this situation and they're it that's the market is going to be primed for wanting somebody that's fully reserved uh caitlin, oh, yeah. caitlin long said that in um one of her twitter threads talking about you know they're doing avanti bank and um like setting up in uh wyoming like a straight up full reserve like fully chartered bank and that the to seek to put capital somewhere is going to be in exactly those sorts of institute, institutions. Because we're not going to be able to reinflate this, the demand for fully reserved banks is going to be out of control. Um, that is like one of the most Ooh. exciting market opportunities out of this is we are going to see probably the biggest shift in how we think of as, how we think of banking and what it means to actually have the money in the bank as we have ever seen. Um, yeah, my, my problem like, with those guys is that they are traditional finance people that are getting into Bitcoin to make money. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah sure. So you mean and, like Cash App and Square? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're straight up traditional finance. I mean, you've got the occasional, you know, Brian going to Wyoming to start up or Wisconsin to start a bank. <laughs> but, you know, the, the veracity and the likelihood of that happening, I, I don't necessarily have an opinion, but you know, maybe I do have an opinion, but I'm just not willing to share it. Um, but no, that that you know these these crypto um, collateralized companies going and getting bank charters. I don't know. I don't necessarily have a, a a good feeling about that. If I'm honest with you. Well, I think I actually do have a really good opinion uh, feeling on it when comparing it to the legacy system. I think it's sort of a downgrade oh, sure. to sure. the amount of risk that like it's an increase in risk in like the Bitcoin ecosystem um, to, you know, varying degrees, but the amount of reluctance 
in the Bitcoin ecosystem, people who have any Bitcoin on hand to withdraw and that they owe to customers, whether it be an exchange, the reluctance of going fractional reserve right now is unbelievably high, like potent. Like they are not going to be, if, if there is any sort of fractional reserve happening, it is not a one to 100. It is like a 95 to 100. And they're hoping that they could get, you know, cause they could literally have a, a freaking, a Bitcoin bank run and be out of business in a matter of two weeks. We've seen it many, many times. Um, so I think however, whatever degree likelihood that we would have a Bitcoin bank go into some sort of fractional reserve or take on that extra risk or something. I think the tendency in the culture in the Bitcoin system is to be overly safe about that. You know, fractional reserve we've seen even in the worst case scenarios like Mt. Gox lasts five months and then the gig is up. Like it does not last long and the volatility makes that even less like the lifespan of that sort of thing, even less. So I see that being all short term. Um, I hey, think guy. Yeah. On the, uh, on the Avanti bank stuff, it, it's my understanding that those, those depository trust banks or whatever they're called, those are non-lending institutions in Wyoming. So that's possible. I'm not, uh, I'm pretty sure that they can't even loan if they wanted to. Okay. Just from the nature of the type of bank it is. Okay, so explain to me what you know of as the nature of that bank, though. What's the what's the role? So, this? Is this just what I up? think is it's going to be more of a like a qualified custodian to where you know okay. you're a university and you've gotten Bitcoin donations and you you need a secure place to custody those. You know, you the university can do it with that type of bank, and mm -hmm. you know you can offer crypto companies banking services and that kind of thing. But it's not. Uh, but it's not a traditional banking model where you make loans and then charge a spread on interest from borrowers and creditors. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of share um, Jared's sentiment, sentiment on this. You know, the thing that, that tips me off with cash app is that they have those withdrawal limits. Like if you were just a custodian or, you know, not trying to do shady shit with my money, why do I have, you know, limits on how I, could, I take my money in and out? You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's, it's that traditional finance mechanism where you're trying to make money off it. So you're keeping some money. You're, you're making sure I'm hodling by force by putting the limits in there and you're doing something on the side. I don't, I don't know whether it's, you know, doing fractional reserved uh, banking or trying to get interest on it. You're doing something. <laughs> There's another explanation there that, I mean, clearly because this is a custodian and a trusted relationship, you could be certainly right. But um, Square open sourced how they do their cold storage. Um, and uh, uh, I think I read it on the show. I don't know. What? I might not have. Um, but uh, they open sourced how they do their cold storage on their system. And I think that's what the limit actually is. is they use a gym locker as well? They use a gym locker. Yes, they do. And then they locker. memorize all 24 <laughs> words. Um, but no, they, uh, it is that they only have access to a certain amount. And there are delays and multiple steps to getting the keys to move 
much larger amounts. So I think that's actually why those limits are put in place is so that the bank run only empties their hot wallet essentially. Um, but that said, I could be wrong. I don't, I have no idea what their books are, what their setup looks like. Actually, I just, I just know they have a pretty serious, like, uh, hot, cool and cold storage setup. So. I mean, it's a, it's a great, I mean, I think it's a great excuse if they want to use it, but I mean, the, the, <laughs> the limits, the limits are almost the same when you look at the cash side, the dollar side and the Bitcoin side, you have a limit with the dollar with, uh, you know, taking out cash where I think it's kind of similar. It's very, very close. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it could be, you know, cold storage, you know, might be the, the reason, I mean, <laughs> just, just have people like hire more people to read off the keys and, and get them hot again. Like, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it's weird. So uh, this may show some of my ignorance, but the special purpose uh, depository institutions in Wyoming, what do they have over like, what, what's, what's the catch here? I mean, it's a custodial service for your Bitcoin. That's FDIC insured. Is that it? Hey guys, uh, before you answer that, I got to hop off here. I got to start building my Citadel. So guys, uh, have to finish this one without me. Nice. Well, he's, nice. Going, he's going to the gym locker. I'm going to the gym locker. <laughs> like, man, right. I can't believe I gave that up. I got to empty that locker immediately. <laughs> Damn it. All right. See y'all later. Cheers. Later, man. All right. So what was the question again? I already, so, I already so, lost it. Uh, Wyoming special purpose depository um, institutions. What 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 are they? They're they're uh, custodial solutions that are FD, uh, FDIC insured. Is that it? Is that the catch? That's a good question. Could um, be. I don't know. I don't know enough about them to speak intelligently about it. Because I've had this long-standing suspicion that that Caitlin Long, she's a Wall Street like veteran. I just don't trust anything she says. And, and guy. I, I hate to be the guy that says this, but I I know you just put this article out by her and I and I enjoyed listening to the hell out of it. And it's a great article and it's like offering lip service to all the things I know to be correct. But there's just something about it. It's like she comes on too hot and heavy for it. And she's a Wall Street uh, uh, veteran. You talking about think, Caitlin? Yeah, I don't okay, think you yeah. lose that. I don't, I don't think that goes away. I mean, unless she's had a closed dead injury. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's interesting. I, I don't. I didn't look at it through that lens. Um, so it might be something to go back and listen to again. Um, I'm basically taking her at her word um, for you know her Twitter thread, and sure, she's selling her institution. So sure, sure. that's a really good point. Yeah, that's she's- a very new. I was going to say that's a very new institution, and. If you look at listen to some of her podcasts, she does give a, a pretty detailed background of her own and then how she got into Bitcoin. Not so to say it's any kind of proof in one way or the other, but um, I mean, yeah, she I mean she could be a wolf, but I mean she she definitely talks the talk and has some similar mindset about the need for Bitcoin. But I know the work they've been doing in Wyoming is she's been passing involved in passing legislation that's specific to quote unquote benefit the uh, integration of Bitcoin into the uh, financial system, whatever the details of that look like, of course I can't comment on, but it does warrant some more uh, investigation for sure. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, you guys, they're not going to do these these services and open up these institutions for free, right? I mean, what what do they gain from doing this? Well, I think they're going to gain a shit ton of money. I don't think they would do it. I don't think they would lobby unless they know they can make a shit ton of money. Um, what, you know, how, how would they make the money? Oh, I have fucking no idea. So I'm asking the question. Like, <laughs> I'm just generally distrustful of anyone um, that says, oh, we're going to do you know, custodial of your Bitcoin. Give me your Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, I just immediately, my first thought was, okay, motherfuckers, what's the game? You know, give it up. Yeah. Well, I think uh, the game is just that there are certain types of people that are required to have their Bitcoin stored like this. So they're going to charge fees to make them do it. Yeah. So, so Avanti, according to the website, quote, expects to serve as a compliant bridge to the U.S. dollar payment systems and a custodian of digital assets uh, that can meet the strictest levels of institutional custody standards, which is a big mouthful for saying that they're going to hold people's Bitcoin, uh, apparently insured through the FDIC, um, and give some kind of bridge to U.S. dollar payment systems, which sounds like what Coinbase and Cash App's doing. Right, but that's from a that's from the 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 exchange point of view. So every exchange has to have one or multiple bank, you know, normal traditional bank partners yeah. to process wires and ACHs and that kind of stuff. So maybe they're just going to try to compete with those types of banks, you know. Um, but if that's Safra the case, and Signature Bank and yeah. Silvergate and all those. But if that's the case, what makes the Savanti Bank and Trust so interesting? Like, like they're, they're an on-ramp for exchanges to use and, and process wires and whatnot, and they're custodians of digital assets. Why, why is a special depository required? Um, I would say because uh, getting banking for exchanges and to wire money is, from yes. what I've heard, an absolute nightmare. Um, and in fact, that's the biggest, it's uh, kind of hidden and the biggest choke point in the entire uh, crypto ecosystem is that like 90 some odd percent of like a vast majority of all the exchanges bank with the same yeah. bank. Yeah. Like almost everyone does. So if we don't split that up again among multiple institutions, if that bank went down, we lose access to almost like we lose so much volume in the market, probably similar to what happened with Mount Gox yeah. is that where all the volume was coming from, all the exchanges just wouldn't have banking. So nobody would be able to hold dollars. You so wouldn't be able to go in and out. So I, I would just like to go on record uh, not to quote um, Wade's big prediction that turned out to be absolutely epic. But when Caitlin Long turns out to be a lizard person stealing <laughs> out Bitcoin, I'd like to say I told you so. Okay. I'll let you I'll let you get away with that one. That's I all have, I want. I have high hopes for Caitlin, but oh, no, you've got too. a really good point. You got a really I, good no, point. I, I think I think Can't she's smart as shit and she, she says everything that I would want some Wall Street former exec to say. It's just seems I don't know. It it just seems like we're fighting this battle and someone's crossed the lines and is now fighting on our side, but they seem to be saying just too much of the of the right things. They seem to be voicing all of our sentiments. Yeah. And um sounds like a really know. good sales. Yeah. It's they know it, their audience kind of thing. I, yeah. I, I don't think that she's a dummy by any means. Um 
Also, I'm just distrustful of women in Bitcoin generally. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Totally kidding. Totally kidding. (laughs) Not kidding. Not kidding. You love (laughs) Lightning. You you love Lightning Network, but just hate Elizabeth, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but one big pro. I mean, one. I say big pro, but one one point in the in the Avanti uh, bucket is they did hire uh, was it Brian Kanger as their CTO. Brian Bishop. And, and, yeah. yeah. Well, oh yeah, his sorry, right, his uh, his Twitter handle is Kanger. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Brian Bishop. Who I mean, I feel like he's he's pretty well respected in the in the field. So it is cool to see they have a Bitcoiner in there, like a a true Bitcoiner. Yeah, yeah. he's awesome. I, that's a really good pickup for them. Yeah, I'll wait for that snake to eat its tail. <laughs> You're going to be providing sauce. <laughs> I don't know. See, Avanti still doesn't even land for like a. It's like sometime next year. Yeah, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they so, just announced it. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I just can't believe it. Yeah, I feel like this is continually happening so fast. Like the whole gradually, then suddenly, is could not be more could not be more pertinent right now is that i think these markets are going to unravel man i have a really really hard time seeing this being propped up for any length of time can, can um, i just can a guy sorry to cut you off i just want to no, jump back yeah. to what words uh, on just a moment ago what do you what do you guys think of blockstream generally i mean they're they're pretty reputable company they're doing they're their movers and shakers and heading in the right direction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like Avanti is somehow strategically supported by Blockstream. I did not know that. And it's a little footnote that is a link to an announcement on their um, launch. And okay. that does lend some legitimacy, at least in, in my mind. Yeah. Well, I feel like recently, I don't know, just maybe uh, incorrect, but I've heard some skepticism about liquid and and it feel like i don't know if it's tarnished blockchain's re, uh, reputation i can't i don't know enough about liquid to to be able to speak about oh, its validity or where it fits at all i just know that the rumblings that i hear maybe it's from matt odell and marty i can't remember who it's from but i know in, in the group there's been talk you know with adam back and, and his potential waffling or just drift and whatnot so I, I'd be curious. Do you guys still see Blockstream as as being kind of a bastion at the moment? I mean, I, mean, I definitely would. I think that they, I mean, they make some of the coolest products. You know, they haven't come out with any products that are big revenue makers for themselves, but they've come out with a lot of cool stuff. You know, I mean, I haven't used Liquid, but I think from a technical perspective, it's it's pretty solid, and the the I mean there are trade offs with the federated model, you know having to have eleven of fifteen of the, the federation, you know people sign off on your transactions to offload from the liquid network, but I mean that's that's just a trade off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have some weird stuff with how they pay their employees and. You know, it's it's interesting and a little bit different, but 
I think they're really cool, man. Uh, no, yes. I mean, yeah, no critique on my end. Just curious what you guys think. Yeah, as Not far as liquid goes, sure. I've never had any – like, they never made any claims that weren't just – honest about what the cost and benefit of it is like, like i feel mm-hmm. like i've still been able to go to Blockstream's papers and reports to get the honest story of like what the mm-hmm. risk of liquid is like they're very clear about this is just an attempt at making a distributed side chain um and uh um that you know has a quorum of and you know they they hit all the attack scenarios is how many people have to go down at once um but th- this is a trusted you know transactional layer but it actually is a really good it's a great tool to offload from the uh the the main network a lot of just movement between exchanges that don't really need to be on the network they're constantly just going back and forth and i've been as lightning gets rolled out i wonder if lightning is actually going to be what kind of obsoletes liquid mostly um, I mean, I could be wrong because maybe the confidential transactions has more of a benefit than I'm accounting for. Um, but I think it would make a whole lot of sense too for just exchanges to have, you know, when Wumbo comes around and we can safely store $20 million in a channel, it's like, why wouldn't they just throw that back and forth and not do any transaction fees? Like yeah. they just got a business relationship, you know? So I, I don't know. But yeah, I've never, I've never had any reason to not really take like trust Blockstream because they've never seemed to try to lie to me. Like, like they're the ones I go to for the information about their stuff where it sucks. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, think, yeah. I think Blockstream, they're just your, your traditional, well, not traditional, they're just your typical uh, builders. They like to build shit and yeah. um, they've never came across as people who are just trying to spam you with advertising on what they're doing and, you know, what's, what's, uh, you know, use our services and no one else's. They just build stuff, put it out there. Whoever thinks it's cool, they use it. They don't really complain. So. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, I, think it goes, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that um, I find it would, it's really hard for me to believe that Adam Back got like bought. And it's not just because of, you know, his OG status or whatever, but it's most, it's because of like, his history and the fact that he spent so long doing this without being bought to begin with. Like, like he's been, he's devoted like 20 years of his life to trying to figure this problem out. It's like, why would he sell out now? Mm -hmm. You know, like it just, it it just seems like a, a real stretch that people like, Oh, he got bought because the banks gave him like a salary. It's like, does he really need or care about that? Like, I I don't know. I don't know. That just seemed really like a week. I've never I haven't heard that theory. Oh, you haven't? That he got bought by the banks? Yeah. There's all this AXA. um, Nah, I'm not buying it. Any like Federal Reserve Rothschild conspiracy. I went digging into it really hard for a couple of episodes (laughs) back in the day. And there's the conspiracy, or not conspiracy, but just that some people say that he didn't get into Bitcoin until like $1,000 and he doesn't have that much. And that that uh he's using liquid as a for-profit entity to make his money and i don't know i don't know what it's saying well, it doesn't matter well, to me. if if he's doing that he's not doing such a great job because liquid doesn't produce very many fees so i'm sure there's a lot other ways that he can make more money than that 
Yeah, even if he yeah, was doing that, I'm, I'm yeah, even if he was doing that, I'm okay with that because I mean, he's still trying sure. to get more Bitcoin, so it's not really. Uh, we're all trying to get more Bitcoin, so I mean, uh, yeah, I don't see any problem with that. I think the sentiment was maybe from what I was reading, it's just that kind of skepticism of any company trying to make money off of Bitcoin is yeah. it's just not looked well upon potentially. And that, that may have been that kind of traditional uh, dogmatic yeah. kind of view of it. Yeah, I'm not sure if y'all have seen the like Liquid Explorer, like if y'all check that every once in a while. But if you go look at it, um, like that's the one thing as much as I think it's kind of an interesting platform and I'd like to see it get used. It is not being used. Yeah. Like those blocks are basically empty. Like, I mean, they have the transactions, transactions are but the, the, like the Coinbase, like the op return transactions. And that's pretty much it of just zero, like just to, prove that there was like a block to continue it going there's like every like four or five blocks there's a transaction or two like mm. so it's not getting used um even though i think it's kind of interesting but you know it could just be a proof of, uh, uh, or just a great example of why side chains just have a lot to get figured out before there's any real semblance i mean how many of the wallets support liquid you, you know yeah. like it just yeah green wallet does green. But, uh, <laughs> Which is a good wallet, I mean, actually. Like that. That's my go-to. Mm -hmm. Like when I just you know give a newbie five bucks worth of Bitcoin, I mm -hmm. prefer Green Wallet because it's really, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's Bitcoin only. There's Sats denomination, and and it just works. You know, it's a good wallet. I need to try it out again. It's been a while since I've. Uh, yeah, the really old version used green. to be the like green was, uh, the old one was rough. It was really annoying. I actually used it for a while, way before Blockstream um, bought it. Um, but uh, the original green, kind of the backup process and getting into it, I kind of got accustomed to it and started like a little bit liking it. But it wasn't until I had tried to show it to somebody. I don't remember who it was. It was like my sister or something. I realized like, oh my God, this is a terrible user experience. <laughs> like I yeah, just kind of got really lost in the fact that I've been using it for a while. I mean, it's it's a whole new completely new product now and it works works very well now yeah i admit um, i've been stuck on casa I, I just like the um <clears throat> i love the multi-sig and the fact that i know that like if i just lost my phone i just log back in to my apple and to my casa and i'm solid right back where i left off um i got a clear savings i got a clear like quote-unquote hot wallet and cold wallet right in the thing the one that needs my treasure and the ones that and the one that doesn't um, and so, uh, I love that extra layer of protection. I feel like I've got like a little bit of a, I got a little vault on my phone that I feel, I feel real safe about. So I've been stuck so on that. In the, in the telegram today, <clears throat> there were a few sort of, sort of related topics talked about, about how, you know, contrasting the rules of games and how that relates to Bitcoin. Did you guys touch on that before I joined in? No. Well, it's just been amazing to me the last couple of weeks, you know, and the last couple of days, just to see how the rules of the game and the dollar system 
have changed and are constantly changing every day that we go forward now. And it just strikes me as like, Rules are up in the air, man. There's nothing. There's no boundaries anymore. It's disappointing to me how wishy-washy they are about all this stuff. It's like, you're kidding me, right? You're just gonna, you're just gonna do it because you quote need to, you know, cause we, cause it's, we, we would suffer the consequences if we didn't like they've lost all restraint, like just all of it, any semblance of fiscal responsibility. <laughs> like it's not even like a topic that you could bring up seriously. Yeah, it's like a joke. It's, it's, it's like after the 2008, I think, I think literally early 2000s, I think it was after 9-11 was really the last time that anybody really cared. I mean, there was lip service paid, but it was the weakest sort of unbacked lip service you could ask for about whether or not we were going into more debt. Um, And it was just a facade for Republicans, Um, but nobody has cared at all. And the, Mm. the ease with which it's just immediate bailouts bailout here bailout there trillion dollars here trillion dollars there five trillion dollars over here because why not like just it it just vanished in any sort of semblance of is there even a monetary policy it's just do it's just just do whatever needs money right now that's the policy it's funny how all these conversations kind of lead back into each other because at one point earlier guy you mentioned that like we're we're gonna have a hard time reflating this thing but I don't know, man. It just goes contrary to my belief that we're on the Venezuela track, you know, to where the stock market in Venezuela is still at an all-time high in Venezuelan dollars. Don't get me wrong. I meant reinflate the economy to make it perceived as if everything's still running smooth and like we're back in a bull market again. I don't think we're in a bull market at all from 2008 to now. um, I think what was actually happening is that we had a massive number of businesses and uh, huge corporations that were literally destroying value. Like we were not, yeah. we, we did not have a surplus the entire time. We were just consuming stuff at a rate that we actually couldn't afford and didn't know it. Um, we never had a boom. Uh, it was just all paper. Um, I mean, and think just thinking about the concept of a bull market in equities, like think about the new okay like there have been some new cool companies like for instance zoom which great product we all love and adore but like a ton of the companies that have gone public recently in the last couple years have have really done extremely poorly you Mm -hmm. know it's like all of this just to take apple as the example like all of the gains in apple over the last year or two have been just increasing the multiple that people are willing to pay for the same number of earnings. Yeah. You know, it's, there's been no fundamental growth. In fact, earnings they haven't had new products. Yeah. You know, there's no actual innovation to push the company to be more valuable. It's just all monetary policy growth. Yep. It's crazy. The, the whole like unicorn club thing. Have you Mm -hmm. seen that chart of like after 2014 or whatever, how many companies are suddenly worth a billion dollars? And how many billion dollar companies there were before. Like it was just like, it's like the whole chart is non-existent. There's like two things. And then afterward, it's just like, it's like five a month. Like, I mean, just so crowded. It's ridiculous. And the shocking thing is that there are so many of those companies 
that literally have never even been profitable. They've yeah. never turned oh, yeah, profit, yeah, yeah. despite the fact that they're worth twenty trillion. I mean, twenty billion dollars. Um, like that's insane. That's absolutely insane. It's just like this type of stuff, though. It's just amazing to me the incentives in Bitcoin all around how they just <clears throat> they work because the incentive in the stock market is the stocks are measured in dollars. So if you can make the dollars worth less, the stock is higher. But mm -hmm. like Bitcoin. We're measuring in Bitcoin, you know? Yeah. Like you want the Bitcoin monetary policy to be as firm and stable as possible so that your number of Bitcoin never gets debased because that's what you're measuring in. Yeah. And it's funny, it's like, just, I don't, like, I, I don't value, um, I legit don't value things in dollars anymore. And I'm not, I'm still not 100% sure when that changed, but like, I'm concerned about getting an amount of sats like really like like the fact that i've like that my like, <laughs> my little holiday calendar on the website is like half off is not a problem for me like i just want that i just want those ten thousand sats in fact i should i should be selling it i should be like guys yeah that, that mess is half off right now like i gotta set price in sats you guys are getting a discount get your calendar um but just as an example like i think of it in how many sats am i getting and that's why i've been panicking to like, if I put a hundred dollars into it, look how many more, how, how much more I'm getting than I was, you know, two weeks ago. Like, this is great yeah. news in a sense. Like I'm FOMOing in as it falls. Um, but I, I'm, I'm probably going to miss the, the bulk of it, which is really sad, but I'm, I'm still trying. I'm still trying to get in with the retirement. Well, the other thing was uh, the, you know, the, the kind of fairness aspect of it from quote responsible people. Did you guys see the, the, the little screenshot I posted with the metrics about uh, a fictitious home buyer? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's in the telegram. If you haven't Freaking seen it, Chad, the Raleigh. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the Raleigh okay. telegram, <clears throat> but it, it tells the story of Chad and Brad. <laughs> and uh, Chad, being the Chad that he is, goes out on day one and buys a house, zero down payment, you know, straight up living on the edge, falling. Mm -hmm. And the housing prices keep going up three and a half percent every year. Meanwhile, Brad, who wants to save 20%, you know, he saves 10,000 bucks a year and then he increases that three and a half percent every year. And after seven years, he saved up enough to get that 20% down payment. Mm -hmm. But the housing prices have gone up more than his down payment. So the mortgage that he ends up getting is a bigger dollar mortgage than what Chad paid for the whole house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So even yeah, though, even though he has 20%, that 80% has grown so much that he still has to take out a bigger mortgage. Yeah. Cause they've stolen yeah. the value of the savings. To and I, I, I think it might've been lost in translation, what I meant by like the fairness aspect earlier, mm -hmm. but that just fundamentally doesn't seem right. You know? Oh, yeah. That's, that's what all this money manipulation and cheap debt and subsequently followed by bailout or inflation, whichever it is, does it, it, the people who are paying the costs are the people on salaries and who have savings. They are the ones that, their value like 
the consumption that they should have had is being consumed by everybody who went into debt. And now the debt, the people in debt are getting bailed out. Like, so we made, we all made promises to the people who actually had savings and were actually producing things. And then we're all bailing on that promise. Um, and it's awful. Like, I mean, it's rewarding everybody who's incredibly irresponsible and, you know, like, like we should, nobody should be bailed out. There should not be a single bailout. Like we should let the market adjust as quickly as possible because it's going to be a mess. Like they already, they, for 20 years, they've been planning for us to live through this disaster. The, the worst thing we can do is worsen it and let it last as long as possible. But there's no, there's no way around it. And we shouldn't be punishing the people who've been working their butts off and paying for it up to this point. I don't know. Yeah. Just that ethos of like, you know, Bitcoin will not be sacrificed for your petty, you know, short term mm-hmm. desires. Like, yeah, last two weeks ago, you know, it was down over 50% in the day. But now it's almost back to where it was then. You know, it's still 15% down. But like, we've already been through a whole cycle here. In the last two weeks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just, just crazy. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I think it also, um, it, like one of the big things with like assets and, you know, equity markets and stock market and stuff is that we've been led to believe that there is no risk in the market. Prices have not been allowed to adjust. And we're in this situation where we became so frail that if the stock market didn't grow, by like four or five percent, it was a disaster. As soon as we're not growing, like we could, we we were in such a bad situation that we literally couldn't even just stop and stand still for a little while. Um, like we were just going to immediately collapse if we didn't grow five percent, and we had no back, we had no contingency. If we only grew one percent, no, that's it, gigs up. Um, and I don't know, it's like. Bitcoin fixes this <laughs> like, you know, that's why, that's why it's here. And that's why I'm here is because I don't see how that's in any way sustainable or leads to any sort of a good society. I, I keep hearing people talk about how this is going to revolutionize the, the way money is handled by the government, that this is going to crash the market and there's going to be massive change. I just think this is going to just be more of the same. Nothing's going to change. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. And it's going to be sold to the public as something that we need to strap to our backs to deal with. I, yeah. I literally think this is going to change nothing. It doesn't matter how much QE is going to happen. It doesn't matter what the banks are going to be given or who's going to get bailed out. This just is proof to me that Americans are resilient at one thing, and that is just sucking politicians' dick. <laughs> <laughs> We, we are so used under to all conditions we are ready and ready. We, we will that, that was the resolve that won the goddamn war motherfuckers like that that was the resolve that 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 really fucked up the the goddamn nazis i mean it that's really hilarious. was but but now that's been turned i mean like i'm, I'm sounding a little bit like waiting. i don't even know if that's good or bad though I, I that, what does that even mean i i don't know but i sound like i'm waiting. not sure if i'm for it or against it but but if we could just use some of this resolve to like fucking uh rosie the riveter some shit we, we've got to do something other than continue to just take it in the ass 
And that yeah. is just that is the lot that has been dealt to John Q. Public. It seems that we have there's no repercussions, there's no recourse. It doesn't matter what Richard fucking Burr does. You know, knowing the coronavirus is worse than he's telling everyone. There mm-hmm. is no consequence for politicians anymore. And we should consider recalling our politicians. Yeah. Well, the deal is, it's like if we're talking about money, then we've, gr- I mean, inflation, for example, we're just thought, taught to kind of believe, oh, I have more money in my bank account, therefore that's good. Or more money in my retirement, that's good, that's success. We're, and we grow up and hearing our grandparents say, oh, yeah, when I was a kid, a, co- a Coca-Cola was a nickel and now it's more. And we're like, yeah, that's normal. Inflation is normal. Mm-hmm. And that's the narrative that we've been fed. And then so there, there's no reason to think that people today are going to think any differently. Oh, maybe the rate of inflation or whatever is going to uh, be higher in the future, which, you know, yeah. And this is just the, the norm. So. Uh, with people not really caring to think about monetary policy, about purchasing power and, and whatnot, then I just don't think it's going to matter there. And, and even the crashes are in the narrative. So it, it's, it's not about, Oh, did we crash? Yeah, we did. And it sucked, but do the earnings come back? Does the 401k balance come back? And as long as it does the fed doing whatever they have to do, the policies changing people being able to hold, hold out and coming around, everybody come together and endure this for the greater good. And we're getting back. It'll be like you're saying business as usual and, and carrying on to the same path. And uh, yeah, I don't know how it ends, but it, it, it's unsustainable. Who knows if it'll last beyond our lifetimes, but, but you're right. I mean, there has to be revolution, but who knows what the catalyst for that is. Yeah. I don't know if I would be disappointed that it went to business as usual or not. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't see it getting, I don't see it being business as usual a little bit better than last time. I see it as business as usual a lot worse than last time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like we're looking at like a slow degradation and a seemingly never ending cost to this thing um, where we're just propping up something that's just a cancer essentially that's just sucking resources out of everybody. So I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe you're right though. Um, I just, one of the things that I've been kind of saying um, to a few friends about the the situation is like when you have an insurance policy, you know, if there, if the insurance policy costs $0, you would always buy it, Mm -hmm. you know? And in these situations where there's a bailout, like, it doesn't actually cost the people making the decision anything to make the decision. So every yeah. time it's given to them, they're going to make, they're going to buy the insurance premium because it costs them nothing. Here's a nice quote on the subject. It's, it's hard to imagine a more stupid or more dangerous way of making decisions than by putting those decisions in the hands of people who pay no price for being wrong. Is that Sal? Yep. So Thomas Sal. Yeah. Good job, man. Love that quote. Thomas is full of good ones, man. God, that guy is super quotable. <laughs> Dude, I'm impressed you got that. No, that's that's straight up. Um, like they they see they see direct cost. They see a direct loss or a loss to their political viability if they don't just give people what they want. 
Like, so yeah. not only is it not zero, it's deeply negative in cost for them to do nothing, which is what they should do, is not bail anybody out. They shouldn't be running. They shouldn't be controlling the money spigot. They're just, you know, shooting like T-shirt cannons out on everybody. Um, yeah. Uh, and the, that's the only option not controlling it. The one option that they should do is the one thing that cost the most of everything. So, yeah, it also kind of begs the question in my mind. Okay. If yeah. Okay. Some people kind of started asking questions after 0809, but like if people don't start asking questions about like, wait a minute, where does the money come from after this shit goes down? Mm hmm kind of begs the question like what is wrong with you <laughs> yeah I, this I have, is so obvious i'm i'm as much as like i could totally see going back to business as usual i think there is going to be the narrative did change after 2008 like the amount of people talking about how this was not going to be sustainable we are making it worse i feel like the amount of conversation in that realm of people realizing that this was just another bubble actually increased quite a bit. Um, maybe it was just yeah. my circles, but I really feel like there were a lot of people who are like, we're still just going into debt, you know? Um, I mean, those are mainstream memes now about the joke yeah. that like, oh yeah, the Fed's going to save it. Like the, the Powell put and mm -hmm. the, the buy the fucking dip, you know, whenever the market goes down, BTFD. Like those are real memes now in the traditional finance world. I think all of those memes and all of those narratives will 10 X in this, even if we go back to bit business as usual um, is that the realization that this is all monopoly money um, is becoming more and more clear and it's being, it's harder and harder for them to cover that up. So yes. Has anyone suggested that these large corporations should have like saved some of their money for a six month emergency emergency fund? Like maybe, yeah. you know, I, mean, I do. <laughs> they yeah. should have been saving their money. Like good Americans should instead of all these bullshit stock buyback. Yeah. They but, had the money. See, they had but, the money in this. Then they bought back their stocks instead of actually having any sort of a hedge. If something went wrong. Yeah. yeah. But Jared, that's the thing though. The, like because they have to put shareholder value first if you don't take on the debt yeah you're not yeah. going to be competitive and that's you're going to be Brad the thing that screwed up Chad. yeah like in the in i love the home builder example you know you're the responsible home builder in town who doesn't build a bunch of spec houses in the anticipation and doesn't you know you you only take on buyers with good credit and reasonable down payments like you're just not going to get any business. And instead How of being the, you the CEO of that company. <laughs> yeah. And no longer, you're not going to be the biggest home builder in town. You're either going to be out of business or the 10th biggest home builder in town. And you're like, okay, great. This, this goes all the way back to full circle. What I've been saying for the last freaking year, you can't make it an American business unless you're cutting corners, unless you're sacrificing your customers, unless you're cheating the system. Yeah. It is, it is the travesty of the American way now. Yeah, I agree. The environment and the conditions have been set up that there's no. Well, it's honest, like you, you have to be in productivity and real productivity is unprofitable. Yeah. 
like say for instance you um you have to have a differentiated product though like say you you raise cattle like if you're in the market of raising any type of thing that resembles a cow like yeah you're gonna have to cut corners and do all that crazy stuff but you know if you're explicitly raising you know grass-fed angus beef that no hormones all this stuff like you could make a good business out of that because you're you're differentiating your product right i mean on its face that sounds like a correct sentiment however when you actually become that owner of that farm and you stretch every interpretation of what organic is and you <laughs> you bend the law to the point where it may as well be broken because the spirit of what the law is and the interpretation of that that wholesomeness or that um, novelty, it doesn't exist. I mean, this, this happens in every conceivable way in business. It doesn't matter what your competitive advantage is, you're giving something up in order to gain something else, but you're going to do everything in your power to, on, on the face of it, cut that corner if you can. You're the, right. The, and the thing and is, some competitor that doesn't actually have you know, the, the quality of, of grass that you're feeding your cows, they're going to label their stuff the same as yours. Yeah. You know, so you're going to be competing against them anyways. But so, the other... so like, for example, the cattle farm is, is a great example. So if instead of putting these antibiotics in the, in the feed that you give to the cows, they spray it on the grass because then you're not feeding it to them. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you, you fuck the system, you fuck the rules, you work with people that are in the business of interpreting the rules so that you can take an advantage. You, you can't be a successful business unless you've hired some big law firm to find the, the niche that you're in to give yourself the competitive advantage or to get the law changed to give you an advantage. Yeah, I think that's where there's something much more fundamental that backs up why that situation is the way it is right now is that just in the nature of person a going into debt and person b actually producing and saving is that what is actually happening is if that debt doesn't get paid back if you never get like if, there, if that's not a reserve situation what you're literally doing is that person a is not having to pay the cost person b is so um like you're you're literally you have an option to just borrow from the future which everyone else is doing at a manipulated price so they're not actually having to pay the price of borrowing from the future because the government is manipulating that price down to one percent zero percent whatever the hell it is so they are borrowing from the future and getting their resources for free while you're actually paying for it so you have to cut corners. You have to meet them or they've undercut you multiple different ways. And you're the one paying for the value that they're consuming. Yeah. So just, just kind of in the nature of it, you have to go into debt too. Like you just do like, yeah. Um, for the same reason you can't sell, like if they put a price control on bread to 10 cent, like you're, you're not going to stay in business if you're trying to sell it for a dollar. Yeah. Everybody else is, I don't know. It's just. Well, you're incentivized to play within the confines of the system so that you can survive. 
Exactly. Exactly. Like, you're incentivized to go into debt to avoid paying taxes. Mm-hmm. And I told you guys, that's what we had to do at our office this year. We had to literally borrow money to avoid paying taxes. It's insanity. It is, it is just the constantly eating your own tail to satisfy the powers that be that have created a system that is so complex that it can't be adhered to. Man. So does that system change in a Bitcoin world or is it just the nature oh, yeah. of everything? If Bitcoin, if Bitcoin comes back, like, like, like I guess, the, I guess you can't manipulate the cost of capital the same way you can today. So yeah, like exactly. that capital, like there, there's no bailout system. Mm-hmm. So you That's, can't be bailed out. Bitcoin has no, there's no fractional reserve in Bitcoin. You can't bail out with, like you have to bail out with explicitly fake Bitcoin. Like yeah. if they do that, there's, <laughs> there's no Bitcoin printer. Well, honestly, so, that's like, the answer. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. Is that like if we go to a, a Bitcoin standard um, and we get real money again and not uh, politics, whatever we feel like it today, money, um, then uh, yeah, it'll be a game changer. Like, there, right. So the, the home builder who any of that. builds all these houses and then the people default on their mortgages because they can't pay, he doesn't like, the, he gets the house. Those he gets mortgage the house bonds, at the original price. Yeah. Yeah. Those mortgage bonds go to go to junk because the government's not buying them and backstopping them. So he doesn't actually get paid for those houses he built, and then he goes bankrupt. Yeah. So I I don't think Bitcoin fixes much of this. You know, my concern is that more of the traditional finance is going to get into manipulating Bitcoin and manipulating Bitcoiners. Um, but where I see the advantage being is that more Bitcoiners are going to be able to at least attempt to escape from the system you know, and have the capital where they don't have to. But do uh, as uh, long as the supply of Bitcoin isn't changed, that like you, you say people trying to manipulate Bitcoin, like, I mean, they can do that, but as long as they're not changing this, the supply yeah, that has no effect, does it? Yeah. Let me, let me, I guess, be a little more specific. Um, and and I, I'm not going to throw Caitlin Long under the bus too much here, but, <laughs> uh, you, you go form a, a Bitcoin bank in Wyoming and you're in the business of separating Bitcoiners from their Bitcoin. And that's their model. Yeah. They're, they're in the business of making money. They're, she is a Wall Street veteran that may uh, espout the principles of Bitcoin, but whether, she, whether her walk matches her talk, I don't know. I think only she could actually tell us that or, or know that. Um, but I, I'm... I'm Illustrating the fact that I think the better thing here for Bitcoiners is to realize that if you are a true hodler and you are um, living the principles that Bitcoin um, promotes, you could possibly escape the system. You could possibly have enough wealth as a result of that where you're not going to have to play by their rules, or at least not by all of their rules. Mm -hmm. But I don't see... I, I see more traditional finance getting into Bitcoin because they see it as a, as a means to an end to create more wealth for themselves. Where we need to be looking at, in my opinion, as an opportunity for us to, to step out of the system that exists, that is solely creating more chads. I, the, my one, like, I guess you could say pushback against that is that yes, there will be more of that. Yes, the financialization will sort of happen again. 
but that it can only exist at the paper Bitcoin layer. It cannot happen with real Bitcoin. It has to be, which means that it will be explicitly where people are okay with accepting a fully trusted relationship. And that is the only place that that can happen. And what will happen is we will probably go through another subset of maybe kind of like Mount Gox's sort of situations. Like we will go through these cycles of being too trustworthy and trusting too many custodians and being very painfully punished for it. But that these will be shorter cycles and uh, much faster corrected cycles because we have, we have an underlying monetary policy that um, has uh, undeniable assurances to fall back on so that these will be very short cycles. These will be very, um, very short corrections that get worked out quickly because our pricing mechanism isn't fundamentally flawed um, like it is with fiat. So anyway, I, uh, I'm actually going to have to get off. Yeah, I need to head out as well. Right, so I don't know about you guys. But, uh, Same. Anybody want to give uh, final thoughts? What do we got here? Um, uh, what's your plan for this week's Citadel preparation? Who's who's trying to get their Bitcoin Citadel a little bit sec- more secure? And what are y'all doing? I think I'm, my, I'll go ahead and start that I just am trying to get my cameras up that I have been pussyfooting around for months. Um, so I actually have my security system up and running. That's putting down the fort for me. Hey, hey, other person. Jumping in at the end. Goddamn hackers. They're all in the fun, man. Oh, see bad. I joined the party as y'all saying goodbye. All right, later, guys. (laughs) (laughs) See ya. Over at our household, we are we're getting a Citadel garden in store. So we've got a few things planted and uh Maybe we can have a watermelon or two in a few months. <laughs> That's right. So save so. the Citadel. <laughs> now for me, it's similar, similar to you and uh, just bought a new house. So getting the security system set up yeah. and looking into uh, other means of protection. Yeah. Did a, yeah. Well, I don't know where you guys are shopping for condoms, but when it comes to protection, um, oh, sorry. Maybe I'm I misunderstood. Boy, right? Let's go to our sponsor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I kind of missed the whole Citadel thing to begin, if I'm honest with you. And um, I kind of echoed with Stefando's um, sentiment before he left earlier to go check his gym locker. Um, I went through uh, every um, wallet that I have in the variety of um, systems that I have, kind of rehashed everything, double-checked it all worked um, in the last week. And so I actually bought a a new Trezor. Um, I actually never used Trezors before, but um, looks like, yeah, going to give that a go. Welcome to the Trezor Club. Yeah, I'm excited for it. So I'm going to start migrating some stuff there and um, yeah, going to kind of rehash some of the OPSEC I've got going on and uh, do it again. And I moved my Bitcoin node to the house and uh, opening that up, opening it up so that it's open to the public and discoverable as opposed to being uh, behind a firewall. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yep. All right. LH, you got anything to add? Final note? 
I had to get off mute. No, it was fun. Thanks for letting me listen with y'all. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We should uh, actually have these accessible um, in the future here. The, the Weaver Street market does kind of limit us. We need to do like some sort of a call-in feature that we've kind of been dancing around. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like a Q&A for people to jump in. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Um, but this will be, uh, thank you everyone for joining us. This will end our Raleigh Bitcoin Meetup social distancing edition. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. Cheers, everybody. Later. Bye.